Everybody's recording and there's check one. Am I up in this pitch? Ron, I don't have headphones. Mm, yo, what can you hear me? What a fucking pain in the asshole. Yes, I can hear you. I'm gonna turn you up a little bit because my waves are bigger than your waves. My waves Gnarly. are bigger than your waves. We got more drugs than a touring funk band. Dig it. <laughs> you never heard McCluskey? Come on, Ron. Don't oppose it. Welsh geniuses. No. All right. Hey, everybody. Hey. Hey, Ron. Hey, Artie. Hey, what's going on? Uh, so welcome. much and so little. <laughs> welcome to the Automatic Crowd, the St. Vitus Bar podcast. The good times never end over here. Um, Even at three in the afternoon when it's empty. Yeah. Well, you know, it wasn't empty before. It was filled with SIR employees. And, uh, <laughs> and Jim Bell Conaboy. Mor- and <laughs> <Bell> Morons. <laughs> Don't say things bad. Wow. Jim's going to kick your ass. I now. went right after hometown. <laughs> yeah. Hometown's cool. It's death page. Death, death Page, I like that. I, I started heard. a side project with uh, two other punk musicians from Beth Page. I wrote songs only that are like Beth Page folklore. Yeah. Like about a guy's who, uh, it's ridiculous. Like a guy supposedly lived in the state park and used to kill children. Okay, that I can believe that Dr. people Winston. live in the state park. Yeah, Dr. Winston. Doctor, he was a doctor? You, that, it's supposedly a doctor from New Jersey who like used to kill, killed a couple of patients and escaped jail and lived in the park with his dog. And for 30 years, I... It was, it's a folklore in my town because under a bridge, it's in 30, 30 feet wide, spray painted. It said, Dr. Winston, shower turn. And one day, shower was crossed out and it said, has. And the whole town panicked. This is when I was a kid in the 70s. <laughs> so I had this idea for years. And Sean from Jones Crusher, I was like, yo, we got to write a song about that. And he did it with Jones Crusher instead of me. That prick. Wow. But yes. I love him. <laughs> yes, yeah, so anyway, Death He's Page prick, is better than Bill. I'd rather be a Death Page person Death than a Bill Moron. <laughs> you have a richer musical history, though. I have Bell Moron. <laughs> I'm like I'm. I'm embarrassed now. No, be proud. Said, be proud. <laughs> Beth Page does nothing. It's got me. <laughs> it's got Colin Cummings from Ludacris. That's it. Well, uh, no, Daryl. Oh, Gla- John da- from Winter. Daryl from Glass Jaw. John, bass player, uh, singer, Winter. That's it. That's me. Us. What about Belmore? Yeah. Oh, no, I'm talking about my town. Oh, your town. John is John from Winter and Glenn from Ludacris. <laughs> Your town has Jimmy Coletti. Oh, Jimmy Coletti, yes. <laughs> he lives in South Justified Alabama. violence. Yeah. The elite. <laughs> so and Jim Conaboy. Yeah. Who was like the elite's only fan. And White Deadly Pain. White Deadly Pain? I don't know that one. Jim and Tyler's banned for like an hour and a half. Oh, God. And Tyler spray painted on the school and they got suspended. <laughs> White Wiping a key well, word, I think. Yeah, I'm not, getting, I'm not, getting, I'm not going there. Um, <laughs> It wasn't brown deadly pain. It wasn't about it. Maybe it should have been. Yeah, it wasn't well, about brown like deadly pain. Just sounds like you're taking a painful blunt. I was gonna say it wasn't about like eating <laughs> shitty fast food. He's like, oh, bro, brown deadly pain. Like uh, that was. She will defend that and be like, that white deadly be, pain. That was after we ate White Castle one night. That's got to be like brown deadly pain has got to be up there with one of the worst ideas for a band name ever. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Although it could have been Gigi Allen's. Like, he could have like X-laxed himself on my, stage. Well, my favorite song. is the uncomfortable uncle. That was one I came up with. <laughs> Because I used to, I used to be really uncomfortable holding like my my sister's kids. I'd be like, I hate hold. I don't hold like, children. Like I'd hold them like really awkwardly. I mean, now that I have one, I, I hold. I know how to hold a child, and I do it so naturally. But back then, I'd be like, uh, please take this thing from me. I'm gonna drop it. I'm gonna fucking drop it. I'm that's gonna drop of, it. The kid's gonna be retarded for the rest of his life. It's gonna <laughs> be my fucking fault. Everything's gonna suck forever. That's one of 500 reasons I have not had a child. I hold them like they're footballs. I don't know what to do with these things. I look at them like they're inanimate objects. I look at them like they're tables. I'm like, hey, 
I, I, I don't know how to like humanly connect with something so tiny. I, um, you, I mean, well, when it's yours, it's different. I'm sure. I'm sure. And sometimes they look at me like I'm Godzilla, and sometimes they're obsessed with me. But I'm freaked out either way. <laughs> either way, I'm just like, oh, my God, just grow up so I can well, talk to you. You know, Ron, the world will survive if you don't reproduce. It's yeah. Okay. It'll probably be safer. <laughs> I've been pulling out for decades. We're going to take the risk of that, of that DNA moving on. <laughs> I've been pulling out, and on really tragic occasions, I've been wearing condoms. <laughs> so I think the world's okay. On that note, what you been up to? Uh... Some Someone of that. <laughs> some of pulling out just in time. Uh, some music crap. Going to shows. Things have been good. Yeah. There's a lot. Actually, you've had some good shows here. We have. Yeah. 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 The last couple of months. And you have some coming up I'm looking forward to. Uh, what's coming up? Tonight. Oh, Inquisition. <laughs> yeah. Very. Inquisition with unearthly sweatpants. <laughs> and uh, who else is playing? I just got off the phone with Jay. <laughs> Did you? I love Jay. I love Jay. <laughs> I just snorted. That must have sounded stupid. Um, <coughs> yeah, yeah. Inquisition. Uh, yeah, we just. Oh, Putrid Pile is playing. Putrid Pile is playing. Yeah. And Nader's. Nader Sadek. Yeah. This was good. Also. Uh, this week, we, this weekend, we have two converged shows. That's good. Show is Give be, opening those? Yes, Give is opening uh, one of the shows Saturday, I think. Okay. Um, yeah, and then uh, we just had Glassjaw last weekend. Since sure we're on Long Island, since we're on the subject, yeah, as you, we usually that's are. That's very Long Island centric. Yeah, uh, and I, I was just telling Artie off, off mic for the first time ever. I actually like a Glassjaw record. I never liked their music really. I just preferred them as humans. But the new record's good. It's it's amazing. Yeah, it's I'm, uh, uh, I'm pretty blown away. It's yeah. I mean, well, like it, it, they do this thing every time they put out an album where like they don't want to take credit for anything that they do. So like with wor- worship and tribute, that's like you know worship and tribute. Right. Right. So, so. Well, this is worship and tribute part. Two, yeah, yeah, do. It, like, yeah, they, I mean, I was naming the bands and sometimes the songs that they took the parts from, but they, they made them good. They took good things and kind of slightly reinvented them to be Glassjaw, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I think they've always, they've always done that, but like, what they don't realize is like, how much superior players they are to the bands that they were ripping off. And well, so, they're like finalized ideas. Yeah. You know, if you're taking stuff like Minor Matter or Die 116 or... In some cases, I hear like subtle deaf jam, uh, deaf tones, or even quicksand. No, with, with, that's on the same musical level. Deaf tones, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But sometimes it's, it's sick. It's like blatant. Yeah. But when they're taking from their earlier influences, they're they're evolving them fifteen, twenty years to like where those people would have wrote them when they were in their forties, not when they were eighteen. And yeah, yeah. Well, that's I, it's funny. I had this conversation when I did George Reynolds's podcast, which is called "If I Ruled the World," and check it out. Um, the uh, we had this conversation about like what you know what minor matter would sound like if we hadn't broken up and you know like it's not to make the comparison but i always remember um because it's ridiculous to make it but i remember paul mccartney saying that if the beatles had stayed together they would have sounded like elo that's you know, fascinating so yeah so but that's like, such a huge keyboard element that wasn't in the band at well, all. well it's all it, i mean it's all orchestrated and yeah. shit but the songwriting itself is, is it's the beatles with more of a 70s it is um, it's like this, the beatles in a new decade right with more uh, fun equipment to play which with. is like i guess glassdoor is all those bands they liked in a new decade right exactly through exactly their own filter it's not, it does sound it does sound retro if you're familiar with that but it doesn't it sounds modern at the same time it's a modern there's nothing dated about it the no. execution the production and it, it, you know, I'm sure any kid who didn't grow up on those bands finds it to be even completely original. Oh, yeah, yeah, without you know? a question, especially the earlier stuff. I mean, 
Worshipman Tribute is still looked at as like their, you know, their pinnacle record, of course, because the timing of it coming out, the music industry still existed yeah. in some way, shape, or form. <laughs> they caught that last wave. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, uh, so yeah, we had them, and, and uh, they, you know, they got a new re- great record out, and uh, yeah, it's, I mean, besides, I've been here quite a bit. Actually, what was crazy is the other night, uh, Mesthetics played. So oh, yeah. Uh, Brandon Canty and Joe Lally from Fugazi. Fugazi. Um, and that was like... What do they, they sound like? It's like, it, like, it's like if Joe Satriani played, that. played like fucking crazy guitar over, over Fugazi's rhythm section. <laughs> and it was like, it was, but it was, it was cool. They, do they meet each other or do they just go off on two different planets? It's a little bit like, you know, two different planets, but it, it's cool. They have a record coming out soon and they, you know... It's on Discord? Yes, it is. Okay. Actually, I asked, I was like, is your, record, is your record coming out on some funky instrumental label? Like, like no, Discord. I was like, all right, cool. Keep it where it belongs. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they'll, they'll sell more records like that anyway. It's but, best uh, for everyone. Yeah, but I, I actually got to hang out with them downstairs after soundcheck, which was pretty exciting. And it's like, you know, it was so funny. I brought up the PWAC show, and they were like, Brendan was like, I don't remember what that is. And I was like, you ever watch your own movie? Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> He's like, nope. <laughs> I, I can't believe Joe it. Lally remembered it, but it was it was really funny. But I don't think he realized, for a DIY hardcore community, for lack of a better word, what an event that was. Yeah, to oh, pull yeah, yeah. that off on on the you know, it was like you know it was like Davy versus Goliath. Pretty P-Wack much. was getting especially with all misfits and all these huge. Well, bands. especially with what was constantly going on at the PWAC with you know the fights with Cablevision and all the stuff yeah. that would go on. It was and Tommy told me in a. Thing that the legal capacity was seventy five. Oh yeah, yeah. It was and a, the building held what eleven hundred for Fugazi? Oh, fifteen hundred. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. that's fucking nuts. I think I think the biggest one was VOD, that one VOD show where like twenty five hundred people showed up or something. And yeah, but not everyone got in that night, right? No, no, no. Yeah, but no, but they that. like ruined every car in the in the yeah, fucking parking was, lot. Yeah, that was like a rowdy night. Yeah, actually. like people were just like drinking everywhere. It was like total shit show. But in uh, hindsight, that was such a. I mean, there's a movie coming out about the Long Island scene, and well, PWAC, I'm sure, think. figures prominently. Yeah, we hope. <laughs> and, uh, but uh, to go against what was the establishment of promoters and clubs, I mean, in hindsight, you only realize what the fuck the PWAC actually pulled off. Oh, yeah. Well, and, and, and most of the kids were 18 you know, to 22 like, doing it. It was funny. Like, I, when the guys that were doing the Long Island documentary, like, I told them that they needed to talk to Tyler King. Definitely. Because if there's anybody, like, between him and Vinny, like, those guys were doing... They were sort of fighting against all like that sort of right before PWAC. Right. Yeah. Well, were, no, it was way before PWAC. Yeah. Four, four Wait, years. I mean, we were, we were playing fucking Carol's Place. And know, angle. Tyler, and the angle was also going right, on but the angle was was Artie, and uh, yeah. it was us. Like yeah. basically, like that. That was when things kind of went, you know, where Tyler was like didn't want to do shit anymore, and he had lost. Tyler, Carol's but he went back place. to Sundance and put and like getting the right bands on bigger shows, and then morphing into getting their own shows at like right, right. track. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, Tyler did all those right track shows, yeah. it, but. uh but yeah, it's uh, it, it's it was uh, interesting talking to those guys. And um, I was like, I was like, it, Brendan told me a story. He's like, his kids are like, like high school and college age. Okay. And he and he was just like, he's like, yeah, my kids say all the time, just get your old stupid band back together so we can you can pay for college in like one show. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I was like, all right, guys, I think that sounds like a good idea. Listen, and, does and, it go against their ethics to play f- a five dollar festival? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> well, like yeah. eighty thousand people show up, but only pay five bucks. Yeah, I, I mean that's pretty much the only. Yeah, it, like. Or it's, it's two thousand seventeen. Has it gone up to six or seven? Even ABC was up uh, to eight toward the end. No, I think I think it would be ten. It should be ten. Yeah, I, mean, I think with gas with, is two sixty a gallon. Yeah, with inflation, I think I think that five dollar ticket is ten now. Yeah. Um, I wonder what it is in their eyes though. 
I wonder if they made the records. Can you remember how on the records they had, it would say pay no more than nine ninety nine. They still do that. They it, do. It, they just, the prices keep going up. Okay. And I work at a record store, so I see all the, like, it's funny because some of the records are so old now, they used to be five, and now they're like 11 or 12. Right. So it's like in 25, 30 years, the price has doubled. So you would assume if that applies to ticket sales as well. You right. know it's a different game. Oh, yeah. Oh, without a, without a question. Um, but... Yeah, I, I mean, I just can't imagine. Like, when I think back to the Roseland show that they did, and that, that show was $5, I don't know how... They did two nights at Roseland. Yeah, yeah. Like, how did they get them to only charge $5? You know what I mean? They must have taken so little money. Well, how does Morrissey get every piece of meat out of an arena? He doesn't. He just cancels the shows because, yeah, you know, somebody walks backstage with a hot dog, and he's like, what the yeah. fuck? I'm not <laughs> vegan, but that guy's a moron. <laughs> Jesus Christ. If you can't coexist with a hot dog <laughs> in the same building... <laughs> Get over it. Maybe someone else's hot dog. I mean, he thinks, yeah, well. No, um, he's asexual. He don't care about. He's gay. Come on. <laughs> oh, here we go. Hey, but come on. He's not he's asexual. Angry. He's, he's pent up I, I still haven't read his book, but I heard he comes out in the book. I mean, oh, does I, he? I could have sworn I heard that. No, that would be like big, stupid internet news. It was. Oh, but maybe I missed His book that. came out a while ago. Like three or four years well, ago. Well, he must not have a good sex life because he's one pent up fucking dude. He's so angry at everything. All right, we're off subject. We're way off subject here. Why are we talking about Morrissey's sex life? <laughs> it's we're supposed to be about Venom. Yeah. <laughs> let's talk about metal. Nah. No, let's talk about Fugazi more. But it, yeah. yeah it, actually, none of this has anything to do with fucking Venom. <laughs> Couldn't no, be further off. No, the, the, but yeah, it was, the Fugazi thing was, was really cool. But to finish my story, I was, I was like, well, why don't you guys just get a different singer? And Joel Ellie was like, you know, Ian's my best friend, but... I think that's like, like that's something I would actually entertain. <laughs> it was great. I was like, why don't you get like, because during soundcheck they played a Sleaford Mod song, mm-hmm. which I, I was like, yeah, all right, you guys still got it, you still got good taste. And uh, I was like, why don't you get Jason Williamson from from Sleaford Mods? You know, like that'd be you know fronting Fugazi. No, no one would be upset about that. If he dies, that's the tribute they can do. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because that's the only way it would actually happen. I'm sure. And fair enough. I, if there's one band that should never, ever, ever, ever do the cash-in reunion. It's them. Unless, unless it was all for fucking charity. Well, I was just going to say... I would imagine if the they did do it, it would be that. Trump, I actually almost expected them to do something. It, it's, well, and it's funny, with, with Fugazi's lyrics, like, they're so telling, even though they're from the 80s and 90s, they're so telling for what's going on now. And it, it's... Because they wrote about... They wrote in a big picture view. They didn't name names and countries and right. places. Right, yeah, it wasn't like Rage so Against the Machine where it, it was like resonates. so... Rage Against the Machine's politics were so specific yeah. and so sort of... and way, way more lefty than, than even Fugazi. Yeah, but, more socialist. Right. More socialist or communist. Right, dependent. right. Yeah, like... like and, and so Fugazi, what they, what they were saying was... Uh, and, and the fact that they were from D.C. anyway kind of gave them... And I think Ian's parents worked for the government... Uh, if I remember correctly, that's why they lived in. A like lot of a, those DC punk guys, I mean, that yeah, was, their parents all worked in DC. Yeah. They lived in Northern Virginia. It was natural. Yeah, it, uh, which is sort of like the Long Island to New York City. You know, it's us with Grumman. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Half us my with neighbors, <laughs> half my fucking town worked at Grumman. Yeah, we thought our town was going to become like a fucking abandoned ghetto when Grumman went out in business. It, it employed half the town. Yeah, and then then they opened a bunch of Boston markets and yeah, everything and was fine. Know, <laughs> Some people bought shitty fast food at different places. And, but, like, food places suffered. But that was it. They thought, like, the town was done. Yeah. I mean, it was like a uh, panic in my, in the, you know. Well, that happened. I mean, that happened all over the country. That was our various, version of GM industries. in Detroit. Like, yeah. our little bubble. Like, or the you know, steel industry in, in, yeah, in Pittsburgh thing. or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. That was the game in town. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, 
It's, and it's still happening. But Trump's bringing back the coal business, so yeah. it's okay. That's all right. I'm going to bring back the 8-track. <laughs> <laughs> Mint. I mean, Trump I, is amazing. Why not? I mean, Are they cheap to make? I and mean, people fucking sell cassettes. Yeah. Trump is like a bad presidency on acid. I don't even, I don't even know what's happening anymore. Yeah. Yeah. There's I mean, infighting behind the scenes. I mean, the, the left hate him. The right are so divided. I mean, he's divided this country more than anyone. And I don't... I'm not one of these blanket statements, this guy's a corrupt piece of shit, he's an asshole, which I think is both of those things. But uh, the lack of... The lack of focus in his presidency is unreal. Oh, it's all over the place. It's like yeah. it changes every five minutes. It changes with a tweet. It's like a conversation between me and George. Every two minutes, it's like something new that's fucked up about our business that we have to deal with. Yeah, like <laughs> that Christmas tree over there. What's wrong with the, the Christmas upside tree, cross. man? No, it's an cross. That's fucking great. It's the cannibal corpse of Christmas trees. It's fucking... <laughs> it's cannibal corpse of Christmas trees. <laughs> I, love, I love how, like, I haven't, been, I haven't had any drinks, so my, my accent isn't coming out. Yeah, you don't but sound no, like... Normally, I get, that's all the comments I get about our show. It's like, dude, your accent is, like, out of control. It's like... What beer is it that usually you hit that point? Uh, uh, like, three or four. Uh, I think it, it probably adds to the show. It does add to this. Okay, but, I mean, we're from here. I don't know what it sounds like to some some bozo somewhere else. It probably sounds ridiculous. I said we sound weird. Yeah, weird. <laughs> I don't say that. You, I, I, I mean, I got I got Long Island in my bones, but weird. That's that one. I think I say right. You're fucking weird. <laughs> Whatever. Anyway, yeah, uh, yeah. So yeah, Trump, Trump, uh, the groper, groper in chief. Yeah, the <laughs> groper in chief. Me and him actually saw the same naked women once. What? Yeah, I, I met Trump a few times. Can I ever tell a story? No. When oh, I worked with, please do. When I worked with Johnny Maestro in the Brooklyn Bridge, we used to play Trump Plaza. 16 candles. There you go. He was a good dude. Rest <laughs> in peace, Johnny. And uh, so we That song's play. a total pedophile song. Unless he was 16 when he wrote it. He wasn't fucking 16. Uh, wait, what year was He it? didn't fucking write that song either. Was. No, he's probably like 18. But Back then, all those fucking songs were like, yeah, but people My Little Teenage jailbreak, Dream, Come jailbreak On. by Motorhead. <laughs> I don't need to know your age. It's enough that you're here backstage. I mean, that rules, but it's not. <laughs> what <fucking> the <laughs> fuck? That's right. Oh, my God. I mean, some of these songs. Wow, yes. Yeah, so talk about things that That was another thing I was going to do on Gimme Radio. I was going to do a. This is going to get me totally banned from everything. I was going to do the underage slash um, rape section of music because metal is like 50 songs about being a rapist or like an underage <laughs> thing and celebrating wait, wait. it. Who has a song about rape? Yeah, At War, a song called Rape Chase. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Which is like... Probably the mentors, right? The uh, mentors probably have 10. Yeah, G.G. Allen does. I don't know if that yeah. fits in metal. But. <laughs> anyway, so Trump. Same topic, really. <laughs> so Trump, uh, he, Trump Plaza, uh, that band I used to work for, they used to play there. And these women come out like, uh, what do you call those 50 women who dance and kick line? Like, the Rockettes. Thank you. There'd be people like that between bands. And all these, like, I'm like 20, you know? It's like these beautiful women everywhere. And they just run to the side of the stage and they get totally naked and put on different clothes. I'm right. standing next to Donald Trump. We just give each other, like, that bonding guy look. Like, yeah. Whoa. But he didn't creep out on him. Like, it was his well, building. He was in public. I mean, when yeah. it. When he owned the Miss USA. I'm sure USA. he found the one he wanted, and he made sure she, like, peed on him or whatever that <laughs> Russian claim is. <laughs> what did they say he did? Yeah, like, yeah, he had, like, some hookers pee on him or yeah, some shit. Yeah, I mean, you know, who hasn't been underneath some urine, but... <laughs> <laughs> That's another topic. I don't know. I'm not sure. No, it's... Uh, I know where it, I've been. Uh, since the last time we saw each but other. I think, I think we talked about this last time we saw each other about who's next. I think there's just been an endless fucking line. <laughs> like, 
I like, don't even want to guess. Well, Matt Lauer, which is like. And what's the guy from that 70s show? Uh, oh, yeah, Danny Masterson. But apparently he like straight up, he's a Scientologist. Yeah, which I he, didn't know. I didn't either. And apparently like he's straight up like raped four girls and three of them were uh, science, in the Scientologist's um, so was he religion, high up inside that which is dumb like paradigm, and he used that as his position of power? Well, the higher-ups like, like made the girls, they wanted to deal with it internally within the church and not go to, go to the police. That was basically how it was covered so just up. like the Catholic Church? Yeah, except it's not, you know. Except you don't get a transfer. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, you touched that five-year-old boy in New Jersey, but it's going to move you to Kentucky. You'll be good yeah, there. Don't tell There's anybody. There's a whole city of new boys there for you. <laughs> just don't touch anybody, okay? <laughs> yeah, I promise. I thought they believed, like, God was watching and shit. Maybe they think God's a kinky fuck. God, dude, dude I've been fucking... If God's been watching me, man. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, and fucking Al Franken now, which is, like, he just re- he's resigning this week, which is... It's, that photo it, made... I mean, I can't... It, it's, <laughs> the photo... I don't see anything. Like, what? Like, the guy's taking pictures with thousands of people. I mean, I'm not going to defend him, whatever. You, you, like, it's just the culture is I mean, at that time, he was also a comedian, not a politician. I'm sure he was in a different mindset. He True. was like in comedy mode. Not that that defends stuff, but and also I mean, there's I like there's, everything. There's a lot of anonymity going on with this situation, which is fine. It's it's every woman's right to to be anonymous, you know, because they don't want their lives to implode. Yeah. But you mean pretty much you can just say anything about anybody and it's just assume that it's true and you know like, like I just but Trump used that defense against Roy Moore and when he did it sounded scummy as fuck. Oh, yeah. I mean, without I mean, so No, it's there's a, it's a thin a, line between Believing the person who's making the accusation, but also being like, well, it has to go through a, a court of law. Well, it has to go to, through a protocol. You have to believe it. You have to believe it because right. it's not like, like, but then, you know, shit like, uh, what was the, the Washington Post? They caught this person making up a fake story about Roy Moore. Yeah. And, and it's like, so that's, that's the shit that's going to, the thing about it is that like something like what, what they're talking about with Al Franken is really not innocent, but all, it, it, just lessens the idea of people who are really like rape victims, like real, like fucking serious shit that like, you know, violently raped, you know, it's like, okay, he touched your ass. Okay. That's really wrong. You shouldn't do that. But you know, like, like where's the line between harassment and, and what's, where's what's right and what's wrong. It's like, everything has gotten so blurred and it's just, I'm not going to say it's a witch hunt, but it's, it's just like, it's a little bit like, it's a little bit of a juggernaut that's hard to control. You know what the problem is? There's not a um, one person makes an accusation, then two, then three, and with more accusations comes an assumption of guilt oh, without of any due process. Right now, I'm not saying. I mean, if there are three people waiting and three people are victims, then fuck yeah, come out, fucking crucify this prick. But everyone is so hypersensitive right now that no one's taking that deep breath and looking at cases, and it's just become social media anarchy. Yeah, and you know, I don't see how that helps the world. Maybe it empowers people who've been holding it in for years or decades to see other people come out. And that's what hopefully would happen. But then there are people that are going to cash in. I mean, yeah, it's inevitable. It's, it's, it's human nature. Yeah. It's just the way everything gets corrupted in some sort of way. And it's, it's a shame. But, you know, well, it's, it's almost like... You look a, at Michael Jackson and Bill Cosby. And, oh, you know, God. It'd be just such insane numbers sometimes. You're like, wow, did he really do that to Bill all Cosby, those people? Bill Cosby. Like, I mean, that shit's out of control. It's insane. When you, and, I mean, this shit's and he going has a on for skill how long? one of his old comedy records talking about it. Yeah, yeah, Did yeah, you hear yeah. that? Yeah, that gave me a fucking stomachache. What was it fucking? I heard this whole like thing, thing with um, uh, the guy who does Family Guy, uh, um, Seth MacFarlane, Seth, Seth, yeah. where he like 
fucking has been making jokes about all these people for years. You know, he made the joke about about uh, Harvey Weinstein at the Gram at the at the yes. Academy Awards. He's like, he's like, what do he say? Uh, he's like, uh, and here are the five nominees for Best Actress or five women who don't have to act like they they like Harvey Weinstein <laughs> or they think he's attractive. Or something. Courtney Love, there's a soundbite from like a. She's on like the yeah, red carpet. Yeah, 2003 or something. Yeah, it's, it's old. A long time ago. And it was something about warning about not going into a hotel room. And yeah, and she's uh, and she says that she got blackballed after that. She did claim then, that. Yeah. And you know she's such a wild card that people dismiss her, but it's like what's his That's name? It. Is fucking what's his name? Uh, the, the child star who fucking's been outing people for oh, decades. Oh right, Corey Feldman. Corey Feldman. Yeah. Like you don't know where to start with people like him, but I mean he is the OG whistleblower on this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean he went against everyone. He. Did get blackballed, but he did such crazy behavior, at least it appeared, that people didn't take words he said seriously. Right, and Corey Haim as well, because he died of a drug overdose. Yes. You know, so it was like, oh, well, he was drugged up. And it's like, well, there's a reason yeah. why, you know, this guy has all this, like, weird guilt and shame. You know, like, what the fuck? I, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's going to be interesting. I'm glad, like, it's, the thing about it is that so- society's social norms are changing so fast. It's like... It, Long term, I think they're mostly changing for the better without... The over-the-top witch hunts of, like in our music scene, in our community, where people are getting triggered, for lack of a better word, by every fucking thing on planet Earth. Right. It's like, stick to things that really happened, not all your, your assumptions through innuendo. and. Yeah, it's hard, it's hard to control with the internet and all that stuff, because once something is out there, it's out there. So, you know, and the uh, culture is just, it's gossip-based, it's not fact-based. So it's like... People just want, they're anxious to run with these stories instead of saying, holy shit, what really happened to these people? And everybody's hungry to hear it too, which yeah. is another problem. It's a supply and, it's a supply and demand Like type you just mentality. want to hear negative shit all the time. It's like, that's, that's the classic like, thing about the internet. I even see bands do it. Like, uh, like in the last promotion of the Deftones record, they kept talking about how, like the, how the, Abe didn't like, or the, the guitar player didn't like any of the riffs that came in and... You know, blah, 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 but he recorded it anyway. And it's like, like I found myself even like looking. I was like, oh, they, they're fighting? Click. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to see something negative. That's why the yeah. Oasis thing works like, like magic. That was like, like a marketing. I don't know if they started it that way, but it became like marketing it did. gold. It did, yeah, because they, they, they probably saw all these clicks coming in yeah. for, you know, for these negative stories. And so it's like, you know, I was like, cool. So when the next Primitive Weapons record comes out, we're going to be like, I fucking hate everybody. And that'll right. be like the little light. But clickbait on real life is disgusting when you're dealing with rape and murder and sexual abuse. It's like, it's cool if it's some gossipy band shit or some yeah, dumb actress yeah. getting drunk in a limo. But it's like, <laughs> when, it's, when you're talking about like, you know, real serious crime, clickbait mentality is disgusting. Yeah. You know, on every end. It's a disservice. I think it, I think it also shows, I mean, like we, as humans, for some reason, we love gossip. But the, I think it shows, like, a, again, the Internet, it can lend itself to bringing parts of people's personalities that might have never, ever existed. Definitely. It, like, turns on parts of your brain that, you know, like, like stalking and shit like that. Totally. Like, people who would have never done it because they didn't have the... People have stalked me on the, the internet anatomy. in ways I didn't even know was possible. I'm talking about like I know that I know that I mean, how the fuck do you know that we're not even friends but they know everything they see that's everything that's weird yeah. yeah it's bugged out uh-huh. you know I mean but you know if you're gonna be a if you're gonna be a real good stalker this day and age you gotta be technologically sound yeah you better be you probably, I gotta step up my game you probably get picked up by a media company I can't just sit in the bushes <laughs> like the old days <laughs> uh, it's a different world who, who is this the intro for this is from Mantis from Venom fucking man we got Mantis from Venom yeah and you know we segued through Trump and Glassjaw, and <laughs> I don't think Mantis has anything to say about any of these topics. No, he has he no He doesn't clue. care about Fugazi. He lives in Portugal. Yeah. He's chilling. 
He's been he's doing karate a, for a long time. Yeah, doing yeah, he is a jujitsu master. He was a, he was really interesting. I didn't know what to expect from him. I mean, I knew he wasn't the persona in Venom per se, obviously, but I didn't know his musical roots because Venom just came out of left field like nothing else on planet Earth. And uh, but you know, he said his he talks about his influences and his passion in music and but he. I don't think he ever saw Venom as part of a community or a culture. He was just in Venom, and it was Venom. And Slayer had the same mentality when they right. started. Yeah. But that's the first thing I thought was like, oh, this guy, he took his influences but m- made them ten times more extreme, and he wasn't waving the flag for anything but Venom. And he goes you know, pretty deep into a lot of stuff that gets rarely talked about inside the Venom Yeah, world. well, there's, a, there's the whole fight with Kronos, which uh, is... Yeah. Speaking of negative clickbait, I'll, maybe I'll just make that the headline. Listen <laughs> to Mantis talk shit about Kronos. Yeah, because Mantis doesn't 10, talk much, clicks. so that's it. You're going to bring <laughs> us to the next level. Nice. Maybe we'll, we'll make Blabbermouth or something. We're like The View from Metalheads. <laughs> Except we don't talk about metal enough. <laughs> no, we, we talk about Long Island Hardcore and <laughs> shitty presidents. And uh, my... Uh, we won't talk about that. Oh, and your oh, and your weird sexual preferences, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, you know. Well, hey. uh, uh, yeah. We should maybe we should start asking people their sexual preferences. Hmm. Kurt from Crowbar. I mean, we could. I don't know if we could have gotten to that topic. Well, being that his wife was sitting right next to him, and she, she was four manager, feet away. I don't think yeah. we would have gotten much. No, I don't think. I don't think. That, maybe that's maybe that's our angle. Sexual well, preference. we used to ask people about UFOs, and then we stopped. Yeah. And aliens. That's because no one, no one, we, I, I think I only got like one good answer from someone, and it was uh, the guy from uh, the guy from ISIS, and. Yeah. Uh, and that was uh, not, the, like not, a, the, not the criminal terrorist group. Um, unfortunately, that would have been really interesting. Yeah. yeah. I I, know how'd you guys get that interview? I want to know if ISIS and Al-Qaeda believe in UFOs. <laughs> Maybe they'll explain the, the I'm 72 gather, versions. actually, that they do. Yeah, I actually believe yeah, it. Uh, you know, it's about as realistic as all the other religions. Right, exactly. It's actually more realistic. There's more physical proof of UFOs and aliens. <laughs> wow. Do you think there's <laughs> physical proof? Hmm? Eh, I don't know. It's Maybe, well, there's more eyewitness accounts. Oh, it's certainly. If you believe things like, in theory, un- there's more unexplainable flying objects, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's extraterrestrial. Right. And, you know, if a crop circle is done by a really bored artist in the middle of the f- cornfield. Who else could it be done by? I don't know. If the guy Why this- would an alien make that design? I mean, I mean some you know, of them, okay. So, like, it. if Banksy lived in Nebraska, that's what he does, that's I guess? That's pretty much, yes. Yeah. Well, on the south of England, where, I mean... Yeah. Where, he, where I believe happened. he does live in Bristol. Yeah, he does, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's... it's uh, I'm waiting for, like, political crop circles. Yeah, right? Fuck Trump and yeah, the crop fuck circle. Trump. And then you could convince people it came from, like, yeah. other superior beings. Yeah. You know? Exactly. It flew in on a comet and... I should just patent this. <laughs> this is, like, a total idea for a bad movie. It's going to be like a trauma movie. So we get credit for that, guys? Thank you? Yeah. yeah you know, on this just, day, we came up with that stupid idea. <laughs> On this day that Inquisition is playing here. Inquisition's an interesting band. <laughs> yeah, I mean... I don't know. I love their music. Uh, they're interesting because they have two people. They're big Rush fans. I hung out here late night with them yeah. uh, the first time they played. And, uh, of course, I was bartending, so, you know, around 2 a.m. the Rush goes on. And, uh, and it didn't stop. <laughs> and then it was just like fucking... A it sea better of have been Quays Under Pressure and before. No, no, of course not, dude. You... Do you I know. know. Do you know me? I know, but that's why I'm putting fucking, this warning well, out. Well, it was show. It was show. It was show of hands. Okay, with, so it's a live record. album from like '88 or whatever. Mm, yeah, '87. Yeah, it, yeah. It's it's after Hold Your Fire. So yeah, that would be '87. Yeah. yeah, it's it's pre Presto. It's before they did the rap song. But they do like more synthy versions, less guitar heavy versions of some of the earlier stuff, from what I remember. 
Yeah, yeah, the early, I mean, yeah, like this, the moving picture stuff has definitely, like, got, like, what they were using yeah. synths at that point. Yeah. I'm not even sure there's a song off of Permanent Waves on that record, if I think about it now. Really? Which is crazy. That yeah. is crazy. Like, they were playing so much new material, but, you know, Rush can get away with doing anything, because they're Rush, and... So, um... And if you don't believe, if you don't agree with me, you're a dick. Yeah, I love Rush, fuck everyone. But, uh, <laughs> you know, they're a controversial band in some, you know... Like any black metal band, there's a vagueness, and then there's occasionally stupid imagery or misconstrued imagery. I don't know enough about them on that level. I've read... The controversy that lies behind it is some side project that... That I know about. Yeah, that was on some compilation, that was on some label that... I mean, uh, you know, eighty-eight was in the title. I forget. The yeah, name. yeah. I mean, it's it's not unlike uh, Acarantis who played here. Um, yeah, it's a similar situation. I, it, it, I, you know, without getting too far into it, the, the black metal world kind of it's just so shady, and it's hard to avoid. Especially, oh. it's, it's non-U.S. black metal seems to pull more from uh, ancient history and ancient religions and. Really, what I would, what's he, what is here, a questionable symbology. Yeah. And the filter it gets through the U.S. is because if they admit it or not, half the black metal people now are punk people and they have that kind of sensitivity still, but they're listening to music by, in a nihilistic music genre that has no political correctness in it since its birth. Right. But they yet expect it to carry over from when they, you know, ate tofu dogs and listened to propaganda. <laughs> and it's like, yo, guy. It's not how it works. Eight tofu dogs and listen to propaganda. You know, I mean, that's what I'm going to change the name of the fucking podcast <laughs> to that. I, that's that's a quote. That's a good and one. The, and you know, I mean, no, so I, I, mean, I, 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 I agree with you. I do. Obviously, there's there's the people that take it too far, and then it gets written oh, off. Oh yeah, it I gets mean, excused as nihilism, and you know. But that's it, also sometimes that is a blanket excuse for something that's more agenda based and way more fucked up. And oh, each yeah. band's a different, but each, you know, each band's a different story. Like everyone's, you know, and I can't defend everyone in my record collection. Holy fuck, you know. <laughs> you have a lot of records. It's hard to defend yeah. everybody. You, you know? know, everyone cursed me out because I, I hinted that Charles Manson was smarter than them and more interesting oh, than dude, them. Dude, that's right. I wish we had done the intro when that happened. <laughs> so Ron, Ron, when Charles Manson died, um, Ron did wrote this thing on the, on the Facebook, um, and it was. Uh, it was sort of a celebr- not celebrating Charles Manson, but just saying that Charles Manson was free in his own way because he was so removed from the constraints of society. And I believe that's, that was pretty much the synopsis of it. That was the basic synopsis for sure. And then I also said that um, there was a lot of boogeyman-type government propaganda in the official story and the Helter Skelter story. Well, of story. course, yeah, and that revolved around Nixon and the, the idea of, uh, of demonizing the hippie movement yeah, and right, all that exactly. shit. So, yeah, I mean, the war on drugs. Yeah. So I was trying to no. make a clusterfuck of all that into like a paragraph, and then you get cursed out by your oldest friends and your relatives, and like, I dude, it was unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, I, like, it didn't phase my day at all. But I'm like, I can't curse out my aunt. What am I gonna say? Like, fuck you, cunt. I mean, you know. <laughs> so I'm just like, hey, you know. <laughs> but you know. Yeah, please don't do that to your aunt. Your poor aunt, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but it's interesting. It's like, but what this disappointed me. And again, this goes back to like having radical or non-traditional beliefs in anything, whether it be a war or 9-11 or vaccines or New World Order stuff, that when it's inside, like for lack of a better term, the punk hardcore left or far left community, and they're so easily offendable, 
I'm just like, man, you people are fucking drinking the Kool-Aid and you don't even know it because you're not even looking at it from a middle-of-the-road thing. You were sold propaganda when you were an hour old that Charles Manson is this thing and you did four seconds research and you just agree with Geraldo Rivera and, you know, fucking helter-skelter bullshit. Yeah, and it's so much well, deeper than that, just like all these other I read that are. book. Yeah, Help I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, it's about I, as real as the Bible. It's 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 a very blanket statement to say this guy's evil. I'm glad he's dead. I mean, sure, I'm glad he's dead. Whatever, like he and was. Like, Tex Watson he, is a scary motherfucker. One of yeah, the most but, likely to succeed in high school goes house to house, butchering people, and then goes to jail, finds God, and has four kids. Like, yo, he's, yeah, he's a preacher in, he's in jail, preacher. right? Yeah, he found God. That was convenient. Yeah, the uh, it, it's super interesting. The the um, uh, the, so I, I posted it on your on your page. The the yes, I didn't get to check Young it out. Charlie. Yeah, I, I, there's a new episode I got to listen to, but that is really good. And what it does is it goes back and forth um, with like his youth. Yeah, and then um, it, and now, then is it the his youth from his eyes, or is it a general consensus from everyone? Like it's they... a, it's a very heavily researched. Okay. Um, like history of his life, right? But the guy spent a majority of his childhood in uh, institutions, yep. getting kicked out of reformatories, yep. and then and then once he turned twenty one, now suddenly he's in jail. Like he had a kid, he robbed, he kept stealing cars for extra money. Yeah, that was his hustle. Like, and he took one across state lines. So now it's like there was a you know some sort of um, uh, law that like like made it a federal crime. Yep. And then he went away for a long time, and you know like he experienced this thing like all the, there was, a lot of it was based on these reports that the that the uh prison um wardens would write about him so he had to go to the psychologist all the time yeah and they would write these notes about him and i guess they've made them public at this point but it was always like yeah he he did this he you know he was he was uh uh like like a good talker and all this other shit you know like the just, charisma side of him the yeah. charismatic side yeah um and, and I actually mentioned that too. I talked about Ice how he guys was a, here. <laughs> I uh, mentioned how he was, um, for better or for worse, you know, he's like, he's the blueprint of like institutional failure. I oh how I God, work. help us! Yeah, yeah, you know, and I, I worded that as in there as well because, uh, you know, he, I mean, but, but the first thing I wrote was that he's one of the most polarizing figures in America, and he proved it be, even more on my page because people who I love, oh, yeah, and love that, me. Yeah, that was like, the, long, that was the biggest response you ever got to anything. Well, it was the most vile I ever got. Yeah. I always get big ones, but this one was like, and then you know, then you're getting them from some of the people who you are some of your close friends, <laughs> who are like just to, just to let people know, he just, just mouthed the lines, <laughs> someone's name to me, and I. I I already knew. I was going to say it anyway. I wasn't going to say his name. But I wasn't going to do it. One of my favorite human beings. <laughs> what an interesting moral code the majority of his life. I mean, he's on his second kid now. Things change. Yeah, but, and I uh, absolutely fucking love him. And he is fucking whip smart. So it's. Oh, yeah. And I, I, but he, I gave him such a pass. Oh, yeah. I could have buried him with his like, own shit, but I wouldn't do that. <laughs> Dude, I watched you grow up. I heard every dumb thing you said. Yeah, I'm not going to say his name. But, but no, because I, I fucking love him. And I'm, I'm happy. I'm proud of where he's at. So it's cool. But yeah, the. Uh, but when he's the moral majority, holy uh, shit, I'm <laughs> jumping out a window. <laughs> what happened to nihilism? Yeah. Oh. What the fuck? Jesus Christ. But he's the one. I mean, he's one of my close friends. I love him. But uh, yeah, holy shit. Yeah, when the psychopaths are calling you, like, immoral, it's like, wow. I think the thing about the, the, that podcast, though, that what they, what they really point out is how good he became at lying. 
and like creating. And that was through the institutional experience, right? Yeah, and he was able, but he was able to be like, and he was like five foot two, like this He's little short, really guy. Small guy. And like he was able to like become almost like a leader amongst the inmates, and because he would like talk, you know, he almost talked like a preacher. Yeah, and it's a uh, super fucking interesting. Well, he like, seemed the, very well read. Yeah, and he was very. He, he was no, he could barely read. That was part of like really? yeah, that's part of it. He then how did? I mean, it was the fifties and the sixties. How did he get so damn smart then? And how did he get so topical on underground topics if he was in jail the whole time? He, that doesn't even make sense. Well, he like he got really got into music. You should listen to this podcast. It's I'm called Young Charlie. But like, the, he, got, he got really into music when he was in jail. And when he got out was the perfect timing for the hippie movement. Of course. And he moved to San Francisco. And, yeah, and then he met people. Then he met, he met like people, Neil Young exactly. and Dennis Wilson. And he was in the hub of all that. Yeah, he, he was definitely like he wanted to be a rock star. That was yeah. his thing. And, but what wound up happening was like he was using all these skills that he learned in jail around all these fucking freaked out lost souls yeah. in the hate in the hate Asbury district in San he Francisco. Was, and I'm sure he was so good at targeting the wayward oh, impressionable teenagers. Especially with girls. Yeah. Like these girls were like 19, 18, 19, like probably came from abusive families. Yeah. Like really fucked up shit. He can see shit. all those signs a mile away. I'm yeah. Sure. And yeah. he's manipulative. And of course like it, it was easy to once you got like girls that are willing to have like have fucking orgies you yeah. know they, they, then come the guys. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean you know. They're like, what? That's cool? That's more appealing than... That's okay? There's three hippies playing acoustic guitar in the living room. Yeah, definitely. You know, with, with a little weed. Like, oh, there's eight naked girls who want to suck your dick while you <laughs> play guitar and they're going to worship you. Yeah, it's, which is exactly, apparently, what it was kind of like. And, and, and all those girls got pregnant. They're fucked up, man. Like, the whole thing is such a mess. But, like, he never... Manson never killed anybody. Well, there was the rumors he killed that drug dealer. Right, 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 um, right. Okay. But I, I don't know if that's But all the other ones, he just, he just sent, sent the other people to do yeah. it. Exactly. And on top of all of that, there's always the, uh, the rumblings of MK Ultra when it comes to Manson. Oh, yeah. And there's also stuff that he about... Was, that he was an experiment when he yeah. was in prison? Yeah. And there's also other stuff that once he got taken down, he got legal representation, and they followed the money trail, and they went to some really weird places, which... Huh. Led to government. This types. I don't know about, like because well, that obviously, stuff I, wrote I knew you were going to bring up MK Ultra somehow. I just fucking knew it. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote that to people in private who I really respected, but I was like, "Hey, man, this is the layers that you of this onion that you don't know." Yeah, exists. if you want to get into it, yeah, you know, it's that's like, why I gave everyone a pass because I was like, I don't want to fight with my friends and family, but <laughs> but I do think that half of them are so incredibly. That's why they believe that Osama bin Laden is that, and they believe every other boogeyman of the week story that the government peddles. They take yeah. elements of truth, and then they take this manufactured story, and it goes into everything. It goes into Pat Tillman when he left the NFL, you know, getting killed by friendly fire and being from yeah. a radical family to, like, you know, that fake—what was that fucking lady? They pretended they broke out of fucking Iraq. Oh, yeah, I forget her name. And it was uh, documented Something fake. young. Yeah, yeah, Manson. There's a lot of those elements in the Manson thing. Yeah. And going on with trying to, like, you know, doing a psyop on society. And, you know, let's face it, hey— the cool, cutting-edge punks all fell for it. Uh, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I love that's what I want the guy over my house somebody, for dinner. Somebody made a point that uh, that Charles Manson probably has been on more punk flyers than any other image. Maybe Reagan. Maybe Reagan in the eighties. In the eighties, yeah. but I would say overall, yeah. Since the inception of punk here in America, Charles Manson has made quite a few flyers. Yeah, I mean, you know. <laughs> When, and when you take punk back to its real base nihilistic roots, I mean, he's the best. 
that and like you know in 77 when like guys like Sid were wearing a, a swastika like what better representation of like fuck you society oh yeah yeah you know I mean so, they, like the, the swastika SST almost put out his album <laughs> but they, they there was a court order that prevented it that's probably for the best honestly well I mean in hindsight it's not yeah. like you can't get it now you know it ended up coming out but it was bootlegged for years yeah and, uh, I remember you know Malcolm's put out a, do you know Malcolm no uh, Trash American Record store? I don't know. Oh, he's put out like three Manson records in the last five years. I think the money goes to Atwa because it's Manson can't profit off it. Right. Some of the money goes to the victims' families. Right. And then some can go to an, um, a charity. So it goes to Air Treaties, Water Animals, Got Manson's it. thing. Right. Perfect. Well, on that and I'll note, take kids. him over Al Gore when it comes to environmentalism. Uh, <laughs> Fuck that fake. There's prick. a statement. Yeah. Well, on that note. Yeah, Mantis uh, Venom. Mantis from Venom. The birth of black uh, metal. Thanks for listening. Uh, listen to us on iTunes. Give us a review. Give us a rating. Uh, you can listen to us on Stitcher. You can listen to us on SoundCloud. Um, and uh, keep, thank you for your support. Hopefully you got all the way to this point. We apologize. Yeah, We always truly. apologize. The Automatic <laughs> Crowd, the St. Vitus Bar podcast. Enjoy the interview with Mantis. Check later. Check. Check, 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 check. Everybody's good. Everybody's good. Everybody sounds I'm good. wonderful. Mr. Mattis. Hello. How you doing, buddy? I'm fucking tired. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's the end, though, isn't it? It's the end of the tour, yeah. It's, it's been incredible. It's yeah? It's been absolutely incredible. Best American run we've done so far. We've done three tours of duty over here now, so I think this show, the last show here in New York, it's invited us. This will see... 90 something shows in the last sort of year, year, wow. year and, and a bit. And, and the record just came out. Yep, it's going really well. It's going so. Th- really, it's 90 really shows well. as Venom Inc. Yes, okay. Uh-huh. Um, in total, we've probably probably done in excess of 250. Wow. We include Europe and Japan, and oh god, we've been everywhere. You guys are going full time, man. Yeah, you guys oh, are gigging it's, hard. It's do you know what it is? None of this was planned. Not not one bit of it. I mean, we've got we got an offer to do this Keep It True Festival as Empire. And previous to that, I was still living in England at the time, and Tony Dolan um, was asked to do a thing up in Newcastle, my hometown, called Brofest, and they asked if he would do the Future Warriors album, the Atom Craft album. So he called me and says, look, I'm coming up, so, you know, do you fancy jumping up for a couple of songs? So... I went down to the rehearsal. We did a couple of Adam Craft songs. I jumped up, and um, that was it, really. But um, Abaddon was at that festival, just as a spectator. And there was a guy there called Oliver Weisenhammer, who runs the Keep It True Festival. And he contacted Tony afterwards and said, um, I'd like to book Empire for Keep It True. Uh, that's great because it's a, it's a great old school festival. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's totally a, pure. I would say it's, it's funny. It's the only other thing I've seen where like every band that's played here, that's reunited, plays in one spot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like, we have one it's here. The cream of the crop. Of we have that one here era. called uh, yeah. what's what's the one here? Oh, Keepers of the Old, oh, Defenders right. of the Old, Defenders of the Old. Sorry. That's like the New York <laughs> version of what Keep It True is. Oh, yeah, right. yeah. They right. had Exciter last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's super cool. That's good. No, I mean Dungle. Sir Dungle, he, yeah. He, um, Oliver had said, you know, I noticed Abaddon was at the, the Newcastle Festival, so, you know, what if Abaddon was there? Would he jump up and do some Venom songs? Right. 
And Tony contacted me. And I've, I've got to admit, my initial reaction was, no, I'm not doing what, that. So yeah, what, what were you doing at the time? It was Empire. We, no, oh, you were doing Empire? Okay. Yeah, Empire yeah. of Evil. Yeah, I you mean, guys played here twice, I think. Yeah, something yeah, like that. Yeah. We played all over as Empire. We, yeah. we played every toilet on the planet, you know. We just toured <laughs> and toured and toured. Um, but we spoke some more and, you know, it says, look, it's going to be five or six songs. It was going to be no rehearsals. We'll just meet in Germany. We'll do five or six Venom songs and that's it, you know. Goodbye, you know. And I mean, I hadn't spoke to, to Abaddon since 1998, you know, so it was a long period of time. Was there a falling out or just... It was, the, you know, it was the usual band bullshit and everybody went their own different ways, you know? Yeah. Isn't um, it funny how, like, now none of it fucking matters? Like, you think back to the things yeah, you used to argue about and you're just like, God, we really argued about that? Yeah, like, Who gives I a know. shit? It's, it's crazy. I'm alive. Know? Yeah, <laughs> that's it, you know? It's well, in hindsight, there's more clarity and you just look oh, back. Oh, fuck yeah. With, yeah, you yeah. Know, wisdom. Yeah. It's, yeah, well, I don't know, you know, they say older and wiser, but I'm not no fucking wiser, I'm just <laughs> still doing this. <laughs> but no, it all just happened from there, and then the place went crazy. It was like, you know, the next thing we knew, we were in Japan and China, and... Yeah, like China? We, yeah, we played wow. in Beijing, Taiwan, and then we went straight to Osaka and Tokyo. Um, then we got the call. We were and still at doing this Empire point, stuff. Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, we were still say, doing Empire. I remember Empire. as Empire, you did play Venom songs. Yeah, yeah, we played a few Venom songs. Yeah, you mixed it up a bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, so after those shows, we had some more Empire stuff to do, and then we were in Italy when we got the call for Venom Inc. to go to the um, Heavy Montreal Festival. Okay. So we literally came home one day, packed the next, and then went straight there as Venom Inc., and it's just never stopped since. But the whole thing, up until John Cezula got involved, the whole thing was just fan-driven. It was just demand. Yeah. And, you know, we had to sit down and say, look, are we going to do this? You know, is it viable? You know, do we think we can stay together and do this? And we says, well, you know, why not? An old cliche was, you know, just strap ourselves in and see what happens. But like I say, up until John got involved, it was just all fan-driven, promoters, agents were contacting us and before we knew it John Cezula, John Cezula came on board as management and um, he said you know one one great album's going to change everything for you guys and we hadn't even planned that right so so you weren't even you know, writing at that point not really no I mean I'd, I'd put a couple of ideas down because I'm always writing I, I, right. I write constantly you know I've got a studio at home and I'm always in there and anything that comes out it just it gets recorded um and then john says you know we need demos nuclear blast are interested and then nuclear blast took it immediately and as soon as the ink was dry on the paper they delivered the deadline and that was it that was like oh holy shit you know <laughs> we've got work to do so gotta do it now <laughs> yeah so and here we are today cool that was it well wow. mm-hmm. i mean yeah the record just came out right yeah august the uh, 11th Ave yeah called? cool mm-hmm. Awesome. Yep. I, can't, I, I listened to the first song today. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so I've, I've only had that experience. It sounded good. It sounded great. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the reviews for the album have been phenomenal. The like, industry reviews has been absolutely incredible. But, you and know... the buzz has been strong. It has. On a fan, just on a fan level. Well, that's, that's the main thing. I mean, you know, it's nice to get all this critical acclaim. But at the end of the day, it's it's down to the fans. They decide if it's a good that's album. Uh, yeah. and that's they, who shows how it. how did the legalities like? Was there uh, did you guys just come to a compromise about the name? 
or was there any discussion well, about the, the name? The initial thing when we did the Keep It True Festival, it was, uh, you know, okay, then let's find a name. So we went through loads of stuff, and we, we sort of settled on Iron and Steel, which is um, a line from Die Hard. Right. So we settled on that. I did a logo for it. But it was then promoters and fans, they were saying, well, it's just fucking Venom, you know? So, you know, people started putting the Venom logo onto it, and it was like, whoa, hold on, hold on, you know? So then Tony Dolan says, well, you know, add something. So it was like Venom Inc., Venom Incorporated. It was supposed to incorporate everything that we do together. Um, and yes, we did have a couple of letters. Let's put it that okay. way. Yeah. But um, in a couple of responses, that was flattened. You know. So, <laughs> but the, the thing is, you know, when it, when it comes, when it boils right down to the basic fact of the matter. Venom was called Venom before Kronos joined the band. Right, yeah, yeah. Right. And Abaddon drew the original Venom logo on a scrappy piece of paper. <laughs> um, so, and, and a lot of those songs, I mean, the bulk of Welcome to Hell. And, you know, uh, even, you know, I've got a rehearsal tape from 1979 with Clive Archer, our original singer. And he's singing Buried Alive and Raised the Dead in 79. Wow. Stuff on black metal. Yeah, that's on black metal. Yeah. Okay, so... Yeah. So, you know, it, it was all there. And I mean, you know, I, I, I know it's, it's, it's common to look at the perceived front man of the band and say like, oh, well, he's the guy that does everything. But, right. you know, 80 or 90% of Welcome to Hell, the album, and Black Metal, the album, it's all mine. Music and lyrics. Lyrically know? too. Yeah. There's a lot of those lyrics are mine. There's a big, Yeah, I was wondering who wrote the lyrics because you said those songs predate Cronus. Yeah, yeah chunk. I mean, even... Even the lyrics to Possessed, which appeared on the back, you know, the first yes. few lines appeared on the back of um, Welcome to Hell, and then a few more on Black Metal. They're my lyrics as well. Yeah, so it's yours? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, like, well, it's good that there hasn't been any, you know, waste money on lawyers and stuff. No, no, like no. I mean, there's, you know, from the other camp, there's been the... There's been the you know the the press claims and the even on stage proclaiming we are the real venom and this that and the other. Isn't oh, he but, states that on stage. But, oh, he has done. But at the end of the day, it's we've never came out and said that. Right. We decided right on you know right on early. If people are going to interview us and ask us about stuff like that, all we're going to do is we're going to tell the truth. Right. So you can and do. they say the truth hurts, and this is hurting like a fucker at the moment. I know it is. <laughs> you know it's. It's not us who've went out and said, we are the real Venom, fuck you. It's the fans. Right. Yeah, the amount of... I mean, there was one... There was one of the shows on this tour. There was this chant. Just went, this is Venom. This is Venom. You know, it was like, oh, fucking hell. Oh, that must have felt great. Yeah, Yeah. that's validation. It's it's validation, but it's validation from the people who matter. Yeah. It's not coming from (laughs) us. We're not ego-driven to say that. The thing is, at this point, the people who are going to come see... You guys are people who know that you wrote the stuff. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. we're talking, like, uber-fucking fans. It's not peripheral oh, yeah, yeah. fans, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, maybe the new album will bring some people into the fold who are peripheral, but you play... Uh, I mean, I know you guys are playing bigger places than this mm-hmm. on this tour, but you play a place like this, like, the people that are coming to this show are fucking crazy fans. Yeah, they're they're fanatical fans. Yeah. Yeah. They, they know everything. The they know everything, yeah. Fans, but you know sure. what it is? On this tour and... Even on the last two American tours and on, on European tours as well, we're seeing more and more and more young fans. And I'm talking like, you know, we had one guy who came on the bus for the meet and greet. He was 17. 
Wow. And he knew everything. That's amazing. He knew everything about yeah. the band, you know? Well, the band is, is you know, um, uh, when in the in the history of metal, we're talking, like, Game Changer, you know? It's like, the, it, know, it, the, the band is... It it's was, an iconic band. It yeah. did for underground extreme music what sabbath did to hard rock and it, even even the reaction yeah. even the even True. the reaction to it to well venom's not real little black metal and you know like even the reaction to it in the, the scandinavian bands creating what they consider to be like it it's it it's such a um a profound effect in both in both ways you know yeah. what i mean like it's well first of it, all i mean all the roots of what those bands became even though they tweaked the sound over the years all started with venom. Right, well, but the, I venom, mean, the venom was, was so fucking. Mm-hmm. They might have was so fucking switched punk. gears on it. Yeah, yeah. It was so fucking punk. I think yeah. you know, you know it, it, there's it, there's one one interview I read with Kronos not so long ago where there was a glimmer of you know sanity and intelligence in this interview, <laughs> um, where he said, "Guy, he's a real dick." Huh? You know, <laughs> <laughs> you said that. <laughs> um, that's my Gene Simmons head on. <laughs> good one, good. Um, no, no, the, but the. He, he did say one very poignant thing, and that was, you know, that Venom are the only original black metal band. What came after us evolved into something different, and they right. should have called Definitely. it something different. I mean, I totally, I totally agree with that at the end of the day, but one thing I am proud of is that black metal has sustained the test of time, really. Some, you know, 36 years later, there's still a genre called black metal, which is radically different from what we did. Oh, yeah. But... We were radically unknown to us. But the, the we were radically about it different. Is that the, the spirit was the same, though. Like sort of like, like the, the way the, vibe the, the ratty, is, the, the ratty sounding recording. Yeah. You know, like the the sort of almost the punk vibe. Yeah. That was there. It wasn't. It's not clean, perfectly played metal. It's messy mm-hmm. and yeah. But and but it, it has a vibe that like that's the thing about black metal. Like you know, Norwe- like Norwegian and Scandinavian black metal is that there's a vibe to it. There's like the, you know they always say it's spirituality. Yeah. It's a load of shit, but yeah. Fucking, you know what I mean though. Like it, it's a vibe. And yeah. You guys had a vibe that resonated with at at a perfect time. Yeah. New wave of British heavy metal, and you were doing something so much different from those other bands. You yeah. Know? I mean, I don't. I, I hope I, everybody's enjoying Sting at the moment. Yeah, Sting is <laughs> blasting louder than yeah. us. Yeah. It's okay. We're, like, <laughs> Jeremy with his fucking sting songs. Hang on, I'm gonna close that door. <laughs> yeah. So, um, how do you feel looking back, looking forward to now? I mean, you created the genre of black metal. Do you relate to where it went? Do you respect where it went? Or do you feel like it's just a different thing that was initially influenced by you? I think it. I think it's a completely different thing that was initially influenced. By us, I mean it's, you know, I've I've been very vocal in saying that my influence, my huge influence, was Judas Priest. Yeah, and I you see know. the tattoo on your yeah, arm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, were they your favorite band growing up? Oh, uh, favorite band growing up, and still, who still, still favorite band? Judas Priest, favorite band. Oh, yeah, yeah. I asked, but I asked him about oh, black metal. First, first pre-show. What'd you say? First pre-show. Thursday evening, May the twenty-eighth, nineteen seventy-nine, Killing Machine tour. Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Was that Newcastle? Yeah, Newcastle City Hall. And that, that was the night that changed my life. Oh, wow. You know, when I, when I seen Priest, I mean, I was always into guitar-driven stuff, and I came, I grew up through the 70s. Like, my musical growing up was through the 70s with the glam era, right. with Slade and The Sweet and T-Rex and all, all that stuff. All the early 70s stuff. But, uh, you know, I, w- I was searching for something heavier all the time. Did, uh, did, did punk affect you at all? And Not at all, no. I never got into the punk scene. I mean, I was aware of the Sex Pistols, and that was probably it. Right. Um... But you know when you when you're saying about these current black metal bands, you know who cite us as an influence, 
you know, if I hear what they're doing, you know, even the the more modern black metal bands, you know, who are leaving Gore, you know, it all goes back to Venom. It's like, I can't see the similarities. But I'm sure if I spoke to KK Downing right now and say, you're the man and you're the reason that I'm here tonight, you know, with, you can hear tinges of priest in what we do, I suppose. Yeah. You know, very, oh, yeah. you know, there's, I mean, I've, I've said it before, you know, the, the song Black Metal, Lay Down Your Souls to the Gods Rock and Roll. Fall to your knees and repent of you, please. You know, the, <laughs> that's that section from Countess Battery. That was my sort of tip of the hat to the Ripper. Right. You know? That's fucking awesome. It was like we weren't clever enough to play the Ripper, so I wrote another song. <laughs> <laughs> that rules. So, right? Yeah, but I mean, you know, everybody's got their influences uh, that they draw from. Right. You know, I think if it, if it descends into plagiarism, then yeah. forget it. You know, so I mean, I drew, I drew from, heavily from Priest, and then I got the Overkill album by Motorhead, and it was like, whoa, oh, that, that element came in, yeah. Yeah. and obviously Kiss as well. Yeah. You know, the but theatrical bit of it. For yeah. me, it's always, it's always been right about writing songs with hook lines, choruses. You know, that's where I come from. You yeah. know, like every band that I love has got big choruses, and you know, it's, it's like. I don't understand this sort of technical death metal and all that kind of stuff, you know. This other thing that came out, math metal. Math metal, for fuck's sake, you know. It's like a million different time signatures in one song. You're never going to be rushed. Give it up, you know. It's like, fuck off, you know. All respect to them, but, you know, it's just not my thing. We just had, uh, we just had Blaze Bailey on, yeah. and uh, he had some great New Wave of British heavy metal stories. From, uh, what, uh, from Wolf Spain and what the band he was in before that. Band before yeah, Wolf Spain, yeah. I uh, uh, forget what it was. But anyway, he, he, uh, what's, what's your best new wave of British heavy metal story? Like, what's a band you saw like before Venom got popular, besides Priest? Did you see Maiden? Did you see. I've seen the original lineup of Jude, um, Iron Maiden supporting Judas Priest. Oh, wow. Yeah, wow. I've seen the original lineup of that. My favorite, I wasn't really into the new wave of heavy British heavy metal, to be perfectly honest. But my favorite band from that period was Samson with Bruce with Dickinson. Bruce Dickinson yeah. yeah. I love them. Because, dare I say it, I love blues. Right. You know, well, so you that, that's, that. that's, that's where, I mean, everything comes from the blues at the end of the day. What's Black Sabbath? Heavy metal comes from Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sabbath. Everything, I mean, you know, Glenn Tipton's first band, the Flying Hat band, it was blues-based band. So did, you, did you, uh, did you, sorry, did you follow, like, like, did you like Priest as they kept going and changing through the 80s and through the 90s? Did you, did you like, follow Priest throughout, like, the, as they kept going? At, oh, like, I followed was, everything, Priest. Yeah. yeah, everything that they've done, yeah. Yeah, uh -huh. I was like, so do you like, uh, like, do you, uh, I'm trying to think of, like, like, Turbo. Do you know Turbo what it is? The US was when the diehards turned on them, you know? Yeah. Turbo I mean, is the fucking, I hate that record, but I'll always do it at karaoke. <laughs> I'll always do yeah. Turbo Lover. See, I'd now we're on to Steely Dan. This is much better. It was the most commercial record, but it really doesn't offend me. I suppose I'm just a, a Priest fan at the end right. of the day. You, you just know? liked everything they I did. I just like everything. I, I haven't heard... Do you like the, the Ripper the, stuff? Right, the, wor the worst thing, the worst thing Priest ever did was the Hot Rock and Video. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was the worst thing they ever did. I mean, what do you think Rob convinced him to do that one? <laughs> oh, I, I think so. I just hung out with someone. I just hung out with someone a week ago who was in that video. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. And he's like... Not really. Have you seen the video? <laughs> oh my god, it's more awesome in theory than reality. The video is fucking terrible. Have you ever met them? 
I've met Rob Halford twice. Really, really nice guy. Yeah. Really nice guy. A lot of respect for I'd that guy. I imagine him to be a Venom fan, too, because he likes a lot of heavier stuff. Well, do, do you know what it is? The, um, the first time I met him was when they reunited with, with Rob, and it was Newcastle Arena, and I was doing the, the just a solo project called Mantis, and I had been to Japan, and then I had a show to do in Norway, and priests were announced for the same night, and I went, right, fuck this, so I cancelled the show in Norway. <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, I got my priest tickets and I went down. And I was standing outside with my ex-wife, just waiting to see if any of them were coming out the back end of the arena. We were in the car park waiting to go home. Nobody around, standing there, pissing down with rain. And then all of a sudden, this car pulled out and my wife just pushed me. And she said, that's Rob Halford. I was like, fuck. So I ran over to the car and I knocked on the window. And the window came down about an inch, <laughs> you know. So I explained, I said, don't, don't want to keep you. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't want to keep you, just fucking, blah, 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 blah. And I says, my name's Jeff. I says, probably better known as Mantis from Venom. You know, that band fucking, and the window went all the way down. He leant out, he gave me a big hug. And he says, wow. oh, he says, I didn't know you were coming. You should have called ahead. You could have been in, met the guys, oh, everything. Man, I was like, awesome. oh, listen, I had, I've had my ticket since it was announced. Yeah. You know, I'll never miss Priest, you know, so. And then I, the last time I met him was at the Nam show in 2012. <laughs> And, um, you know, all these other people were just walking up and going, shaking hands with him, like Kerry King and Scott Ian and everybody. I stood in line for two hours to meet him. Oh, nice. <laughs> like and I had, my, I had my 1979 program with me as well. Sick. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I, just, I just met Bruce Dickinson, and I, I brought, I brought uh, that Peace of Mind program that's back there. All right. That's to the see tour book here. sitting on the corner yeah. of the bar. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sign that. Yeah. Fucking yeah. hell. But I'll tell you what, if I ever meet KK down and I'll need a diaper. Well, oh, well, listen, just go golfing at his fucking place. Oh, yeah. I don't live in England anymore. Where do you live? I live in Portugal. Fucking smart. Yeah, <laughs> fucking smart. Fucking <laughs> very smart. Yeah, it's yeah. so funny, like how uh, how willing people are in. I know so many people in England who like, oh yeah, I live in Andorra or I live in South of Spain or I live yeah, in yeah, Portugal, yeah. and it's it's just so funny to like like how I've been. I've spent so much time in England, which uh -huh. is funny. I was going to mention how your accent, your Geordie accent, is not quite as bad as it's no no it's not as, as the, the strange thing is w when i get together i've still got you know i've all, i've got two best friends in the world you know i'm an, i'm i'm not a social person off stage i'm shy i'm retiring i'm a recluse well thank you for doing this podcast oh, I, yeah, I, I can talk like dogs the hind legs off a dog when it comes to music or martial <laughs> arts you know i'm, I'm in my comfort oh, zone arts, there. Right. yeah i'm in the comfort zone there but, you know, if you stick me in a room of strangers and say, make small talk, I'll be sitting in the corner all night, you know, right, right. fucking useless. But, um, you know, I've got two brothers on this planet, and one's Tony Dolan, and the other one's a guy called Gordon Atkinson, who used to be Abaddon's drum roadie. Okay. He still lives in Newcastle. But if me and Gordon get together, you wouldn't understand a fucking word <laughs> we say, because it goes straight back to Geordie. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Anytime I go out in Newcastle, I'm just like, I have no fucking, I just have no fucking idea what you're saying. But having like, said that, I, I, I can go two hours north into Glasgow. Glasgow's the worst. Like, fuck yeah. off. Or you go even further into the Highlands, and it, like you go oh, to Dundee yeah. or Aberdeen, and like, oh my god, what the fuck are you talking yeah. about? I remember the first time. I, I love to, Scotland. First time I went to, oh my, it's my favorite place. Yeah, I love it. Like, uh, yeah. The uh, the fucking the first time I went to Glasgow, uh, this is like 2000, and we had we had this girl driving us around in, in a minivan. She was from uh, Middlesbrough. Oh, and, right. And we were just like. We were fucking totally lost. We were looking for this tiny little vegan restaurant called the Thirteenth Note, which is where our show was, and uh, and we like we stopped 
and rolled down the window. We had gone around this roundabout like 15 times. Mm. <laughs> We're just like, um. <laughs> she asked where, like, you know, you know, he goes, yeah. And he just starts talking. Uh, like, and we thought she was getting it because well, she's English, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. she's Midlands at least, you know, yeah. she'll fucking get it. <laughs> she closed the window. She's like, I have no fucking idea. <laughs> like, I, think, I think you said make a right up here. I was like, uh, what the fuck? Like, what do we have to do? Like, next time we, we uh, the, the they have whole, to invent an app. <laughs> they have to yeah. invent an app that can oh, no, take dude. slang. My, my buddy, my buddy uh, Ian, who lives in Glasgow, he was just here and he was uh, using Siri. As a fucking Glaswegian. Oh, Jesus. It's the fucking funniest <laughs> shit ever. Like, I was like, I, and I never thought about it. I was like, how the fuck do they have an algorithm in Siri that can understand the dialects like that are that intense? Oh, it's you incredible. Know? I, yeah. yeah. I mean, but it's so funny. There's a video on YouTube of, some, of a Glaswegian guy saying all, all these right. like things, and it's just the way it interprets it. It's completely it's wrong. It's so brilliant. <laughs> I would imagine it's the same thing with the Geordie accent. Oh, there. yeah. Even, you know, you go 40 minutes north into Northumbria, and they've got their own dialect as well. Yeah. And if you get a real Northumbrian to speak to you, even a Geordie won't understand him. Because <laughs> yeah, I used to spend I mean, a lot of time in a little, little village called Rothbury where my great aunt used to live. And that's all broad Northumbrian. It's probably that sounds glorious. Was a nice country house. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's beautiful up there. I love. I mean, right on the coast. If I wasn't, if I wasn't in Portugal, I think I would probably be in the Scottish borders. Are you? Are you near the water in Portugal? I mean, everything's near. No, no, we're we're right in central Portugal in an area called Santarém. Okay. And we're close to a town called Tomar, which is the. um, It's a big Templar city. Yeah, it's it's beautiful, beautiful place. But yeah. forty minutes drive to the west, and there's a there's a great beach called Nazaré where they have all the big surfing championships, and they have some of the highest surfs in the world. It's 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 a glorious place, and the people are just I can't say enough about the people. They're amazing. Yeah. We are the only English in our village. It's you a small Portuguese? village, very little. It's yeah. a difficult language. Yeah, but all the locals have taken us to heart. It's you should have like and how long you been beautiful. there? Three years, but just over three years. You should have like uh, the Max Cavalera, <coughs> Max and Igor Cavalera take you out. Yeah, yeah. They can teach you as you're on tour. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a slightly different the Brazilian Portuguese to oh, yeah, the real sure. Portuguese here. Yeah. But no, lovely, lovely people. Yeah. The only thing that's been bad this year in Portugal has been the forest fires. Oh, bummer. Because um, we haven't we we didn't see rain since. Are March. they are they natural or are they? They've been deliberate. They've been deliberate. There really? was there was a one um, north of us. Which killed sixty-two people. Oh, Jesus! Fuck. And it took the firefighters from Portugal, Spain, and France, plus aircraft. It took them over a week to bring it under control. Wow! And sixty-two people died, and a lot of those died on the motorway trying to get out because they didn't know which direction they were going in. It was so black; oh. there was no sunlight, nothing. Jesus! And then they arrested a fifty-two-year-old woman for starting That's the fire. That's who did it. Yeah, she just and, and she what said. What was the motive? Well, the motive. The motive was she said. She had seen the fires, the existing fires, on TV and wondered what it would be like to have one close to her house. What the fuck? What and the thing is, mean? I mean, the place, we had one which was literally two minutes' walk from us. We were ready to evacuate at one point, and I was standing on a neighbor's roof, and I seen this herd of cattle just run. And then there was, there was a huge eucalyptus forest surrounds us, and I seen this fire start, and it shot up this eucalyptus tree. And then it was just like somebody napalmed the whole forest. I've never seen anything so fast. It just boom, and Holy we were shit. we were absolutely surrounded, and everybody was getting ready to get out. 
but there's I think there's been something silly like over 600 forest fires. Wow, oh it's, God, it's not that many? big of a country. It's been it. crazy. This Jesus. year has been crazy. Even oh. the, the government have been asking for assistance and all kinds of stuff. And I mean the Bombiras, the firefighters. Massive respect to those guys because a lot of them are volunteers. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of them are on, on like something stupid, like a euro an hour or something like that. And they've been oh, out. Like a slave const- oh, they've been out constantly. They've been yeah. exhausted. I mean, the the uh, National Guard was in our village, the JNR, and there was a guy, st- he was at the crossroads of our village, just redirecting people all over the place, standing in a sweltering heat in a uniform. So I ran down from the cafe, gave him two bottles of water. Uh, just everybody has been out. I mean, and it it really drew. I mean, the community's tight anyway, but it really drew all the communities together, all the villagers together, and all that. But yeah. Yeah. some people well, have times lost. Times of hardship everything. like that, people. You know, it's it's incredible. I mean, some people have lost everything. You see it in Puerto Rico you know. now. You know. Oh yeah. Same. Yeah, same yeah. Thing, same uh, mindset. Our, our guitar tech. He's been trying to get in touch with one of his friends for two weeks. Yeah. And they had nothing. Yeah, there's nothing. There was They're nothing. just starting to get cell service now. Yeah, he just got yeah. a message this morning because I was sitting next to him on the bus, and he says, oh, I've just got a message from a friend. Yeah, He's were. safe. Like, the thing that no. happened in Vegas has now taken away all the media oh, attention from... Wow. Yeah, that's the latest. What the yeah. fuck I don't know when this will get about. posted, but you know, for anybody who's listening... The uh, yeah, the Vegas shootings were yesterday. So just as a time post here, but um, unbelievable. What possesses anybody? Well, that's the, I mean, that's the thing is I like for when it, whenever I something like that happens, at least when it's a terrorist attack, there's you understand the motive, mm. you know. And there's it's a like, religious ideology right. as twisted as, as, twi- it is as fucked up. It. Yeah, as fucked up as that is to say. Yeah. At least there's like some sort of like at le- least the victims' families can go. Okay, I understand. Like this person is wrong as they are. They this is the reason they did it. With this, it's like what the fuck. Yeah, you know, it's like, and it's just going to leave conspiracy theories wide the fuck open. Oh god, yeah. You know, because yeah, yeah. because the, of course the guy died, mm-hmm. you know, before they got in there, so you get no answers. He's not on social media. It's just like the guy who shot up uh, the softball game in DC. Yeah, he's in his sixties as well, and it's like like all these older guys are not on social media, so they can't read their entire lives like yeah. the younger people are. Yeah, yeah. And and it's, I, I, you know, I don't think I'm not sure there'll ever be answers. I don't, you I know. <sighs> But the, the fucked up part about this, and we were talking about this before, is that it was in a fucking hotel that has about 10,000 cameras in it. They don't have a single bit of footage of this dude. How did he get that entire how did he arsenal get up there? And 10 suitcases full of fucking guns. 2017, high-end hotel. There's cameras everywhere. Everywhere. How is there not some kind it of It makes no fucking sense to me that there hasn't been, like, at least anything. The only footage I've seen of this guy is when he, ac- when he purposely fell and then sued the casino that he fell in. It would be I like all that, Venom Inc. merch gear, getting that somehow upstairs yeah. to the 23rd floor and no one has any documentation yeah, no footage. on a camera. Like what? what that the, just the, triggers the, me to be like, something's off. Yeah, let's not get into it. Then. Yeah, but oh, I, mean, no. so, but, I have a question. Um, so, living, so living there, how, how is the writing process for the Venom Inc. record if you guys yeah, are did you guys in the get same together? place? Well, for this, for this album, um, I mean, I've, I wrote all the music for it. Um... <laughs> myself and Tony normally share stuff, you know, and um, but Tony was concentrating on the artwork this time, you know, and uh, we had a Skype call one day, and he says, "Look, you just do the music." He says, "What you're sending's great. I love it." So he says, "I've got ideas for the artwork because I'm I'm the kind of person when it comes to stuff like this, I'll jump in on artwork and fucking everything. Of you course, know? I'll yeah. just try and do everything, you know." But he says, "No, leave the artwork this time." He says, "So I'll, he did art, you did music." Yeah. That's uh-huh. And I did, I did a good portion of the lyrics, and then when Tony came across to Portugal to my studio, 
he was doing bass and vocals there. Um, then any lyrical gaps, we finished off together. Right. We work really well. There's only, I've got to be honest and say, there's only a couple of people in this world I can work with on a, on a songwriting level. One of them's one of them's Tony, and one of them is the guy who came in to assist on engineering, editing, and a little bit on the production, which is Calais from Germany. He's a good friend of mine. He was an amazing studio guy. Fucking yeah, he's he, done a bunch of stuff. He's he's done a, he's done a lot of stuff. He, he did um, what, what what was the last thing he mixed? I'm sure it was Udo Dirk Schneider's live album or nice. something. Yeah, he, he did something like that. Sick. But he's he's been out with a lot of people. Um, but he's very much in demand. But he's he's a really really good friend of mine. So um, he came over for ten days, and um, myself, Tony, and Calais just beavered away. Awesome. You know, Callie was literally in one room editing while we were recording in the next, and then he would come through with files, and it was constantly backwards and forwards. Right. There was, was a lot of pressure on time, you know. There so always is these days. Yeah. You know. But I mean, for the, for the album, I wrote in excess of 25 songs. Oh, wow. So you have two so records worth already. Well, yeah. possibly. Editing. Editing. Possibly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, one I'm, and a half, maybe. I never, I never tend to revisit stuff that I've already yeah. done if it's been for a specific project. But some of the stuff for this album, there's, there's, I did think you, there's a did lot of good stuff. Did you record more songs than you put on the album? Or no, I mean, the, um, they're recorded as demos. Right. You know, so the, the structure's there. And some of them are in various stages of completion. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, the, there's a lot of stuff left over. But, I mean, I'm constantly doing stuff when I'm on tour as well. We came back from, oh, I don't know, Europe, America, wherever it was. And just off my mobile phone, I loaded 84 guitar riffs. <laughs> in, in, into the computer. <laughs> yeah, I so love doing that. It's, like it's so funny though, like because like every it's it's so hard to go back that far. Yeah, like you'll go like I do that all the time. I'll be sitting in a cab, drunk on the way home. I'm like, let me listen to the thing I recorded four years ago. <laughs> like, Shit, maybe this is good. And then you just fall into this wormhole of all yeah, your, yeah. your little stupid like fucking things. Like, oh, it's like you know four bars of something. And you're like, yeah. oh, this, this might be cool. And then you forget about it because you get to the next thing. You're like, fuck. I've still got it's, old cassettes from the 80s. These things are almost dangerous. Yeah, yeah. They are. At least with the cassettes, <laughs> mm-hmm. it was effort. You yeah. know, like, like you, you, you had to really weed out uh-huh. the good stuff from the bad stuff. I moved on to like a mini disc player. All right. So then at least I could mark where it was yeah. and I could skip through it. That's mm-hmm. smart. Yeah, and then the Zoom mm-hmm. and all that shit yeah, and you yeah. record rehearsal and all uh-huh. that stuff. But yeah, it's a uh, it's this thing is fucking evil like that. And it's well, gotten I've, better. Over I've the years. still got a lot of the lyrics. I'm pointing to an iPhone by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I've still got a lot of the lyrics on my phone. Lyrics yeah. it's great for. Yeah, Absolutely. I mean yeah, uh, I have lyrics. Know. Look, I have a fucking flip up and I have <laughs> uh, Jesus I Christ. Man. It takes him like a half an hour to write one line. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I'm <laughs> You guys have the good fucking luck. Fucking wrong. The luxuries. Oh, okay, right. You know what I wanted to ask you? Uh, yeah. I'm always interested uh, I, I I try I try to ask I knew the answer for Blaze, but uh to ask guys who were from that era, it, you've been able to make music your living mm-hmm. your entire life. Sort of. I mean, is, is there's been good years and, and bad years. Could you close the door? Yeah, please. Thank you. It's, it's like any, I suppose, form of self-employment. You have good years and bad years. Right. Yeah. But for 19 of those years, I had a full-time martial arts gym. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, that's what um, I wanted to know. Like, what else? And you owned or, tra- yeah. or I owned or it. Tra- oh, you owned. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's that awesome. In Newcastle. Gym. Yeah, in Newcastle. So that's why that's so what, your other passion. You yeah. what, uh, that uh-huh. What's your martial art? I started way back when I was 10 years old uh, at the local school judo club. And then my cousin introduced me to Wadaroo Karate. 
And then in 1976, Taekwondo came into the northeast of England. So I was with Taekwondo for 15 years. Um, and in amongst all the Taekwondo stuff I was doing, I trained in Aikido, which I did for, oh, must have done that 25, 30 years. Wow. wow. Um, and then I went into freestyle kickboxing, did a lot of jujitsu, and then opened the gym in 1990. And the gym sort of progressed into the MMA stuff. Okay. And we had a few British champions that fought out at the no gym in, in, the, awesome. in kickboxing. And then I took, I think it was three guys to professional level in MMA wow. as well. So, yeah, it was a big passion for me for, like I say, 19 years as a professional instructor. Um, previous to that, I'd taught in the local community centers and church halls and I mean, stuff you're, you're like that. I mean, you're truly MMA. I mean, it's, it's mixed. Yeah, I mean, a little bit of everything. A little bit of everything. I mean, you know, the thing that switched me on to that really was the Tao of Jeet Kune Do, Bruce Lee's book. That is the first handbook on MMA ever written. You know, if anybody's a martial artist, I have to admit, I don't know. I don't know. uh, Besides listening to Joe Rogan's podcast, I don't know. Yeah, well, if any anybody out there is a martial artist and they've read the Tao of Jeet Kune Do by Bruce Lee. They'll agree. It's the it's the first MMA handbook. And are you still? You still training, or I still keep my hand in. But in 2009, I snapped my Achilles tendon, so Ooh. you know it's a little bit difficult to go <laughs> as mental as I used to. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I still do a little bit, but not as much as I used to. I, I love weight training. I love, I love just keeping in shape. It's, in it's a really interesting that you know, like, like sort of dichotomy with with uh, something like Venom, which was very sort of wild and mm-hmm. loose, even metal in general, especially back then was yeah. very, like, you know, you talk about what is technical death metal, but, you know, technical death metal has the discipline of, you know, oh, a, yeah. a martial art. You mm-hmm. know, it's, uh, mm-hmm. you have to practice and work and train and, and oh, yeah, discipline. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it's it's interesting to me, like, how, it, was there a correlation in your musical life with the, what you learned discipline-wise from martial arts, or? I think, I think I've always been an organized and disciplined person. I've never been a party animal. Never. Never once. I mean, I think even pre-martial arts training, I think a lot of the discipline came from my father who was in the military. You know? Uh, so, um, I mean, he, was, he w- wasn't an overbearing disciplinarian or anything like that. And I never feared my father, but I respected him. Right. And his word was enough. Yeah. You know, he was one of those fathers. He never hit me once. You know, but... Uh, but you knew he could. The look in his eye was <laughs> enough. It was like, okay, I <laughs> know I'm wrong. I'm, not, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. Okay. Um, so I've always, I've, I've always had a disciplined background, and in, in that respect, you know. So, and I think that has transferred into to what I do in the music as well because I can be absolutely fucking anal about things, you know, yeah. like music, writing music, well, being in the studio. And you're yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. Sometimes I get a little bit too much like that, you know. What I mean. The well, writing process. Passion, well, well, it is, yeah. You know? I think, but the writing process for Arve, I mean, I've, I've told this tale a few times. I mean, literally, my girlfriend would open the studio door, throw some food in, and shut the studio door again, you know? <laughs> we live in the same house, and she didn't see me for a couple of months, you know? Yeah, it was like, yeah you were in it. Yeah, that you was just it. Just in the zone, you know? That's it. I have a question yeah. about uh, <clears throat> what was it like comparing the fans you had in the UK in the early days to when you first made it to America? Which I guess would be like the early, the earliest of the thrash metal movement, um, and then them playing bands who looked up to you like yeah, Metallica I mean, and Slayer. This, but no, Ooh, even beyond that, like uh, so, so Ron and I are from uh, more Ron than I, but like from the New York hardcore scene. Yeah, and you guys, I mean, for for that genre, 
you got like the, some of the shows at the Ritz with like, where they were really mixing genres. Well, a lot. you played with Chromax oh, yeah. and Voivod there. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, like like those and the that, Studio Fifty Four. That particular show, show comes up quite a bit. Like yes. if you talk legendary to G- show Gavin from Burn or like or just all these dudes who like they're like yeah we went to s- fucking see Venom and like mm-hmm. you know Voivod open and Chromax open and like. But Venom, man, like, you know, it's like, and, and you're talking to these guys who are like, you know, played this chugga chugga hardcore shit. Mm-hmm. And like, but Venom was God. And that is why they were there. And if Venom know? wasn't, yeah. it was Metallica and Slayer who were directly influenced by you. And you were, you came, you know, th- there was kind of Motorhead, then you. Mm-hmm. But I mean, th- you, Motorhead and Venom created so much of what is underground metal and hardcore and punk even. Yeah. And uh, what was your first reaction when you saw the the fans here in the U.S., and the, and then the bands that were opening up for you that you obviously, like, emulated you? I mean, the first time in the States, I mean, you know, we just arrived, and we got told that it was this young band coming down to support us, and the, their name was Metallica. And we knew nothing about them, to be perfectly honest. I mean, I, I think... Nobody I, did that, though. I think... In fairness. Uh, Lars had sent an actual demo cassette to Meet Records as well. At, oh, I'm at sure. one point, yeah, yeah. Signed, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and even when we toured with Slayer, it was, I don't know, it's, you know, it's the fan, the, the fan side of it was a little bit crazier than England, definitely. But having said that, when we did the first Hammersmith Audience show, there was punks and skinheads and all kinds of fucking people in the f- in, yeah. in the audience. You know, everybody was there. So I think we... You were one of the only metal bands... I, I grew up a metal kid who then got into punk and hardcore. You were the only band I knew that everyone I knew who was a metalhead, punk, or a skinhead. You guys and Slayer were the only two bands that everyone Right, yeah. And so, like, yeah. The way you just that described metal, that show reminds me of seeing Slayer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it was like you guys and Slayer were the only ones who got a pass inside the punk and hardcore crowds. Mm-hmm. And just everyone into extreme music loved you guys. Yeah. You broke down that barrier. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think at that point, you know, we'd... To be brutally honest, we didn't even realize what was going on. You know, I mean, yeah. like I say, I've said it loads of times. I was just a kid from Newcastle who wrote some songs and people dig them. And it was like, that's the way I looked at it, right. you know. Um, I remember being in the very first international show that we did was in Belgium. And we were literally rehearsing in this beaten up old church hall one Saturday afternoon. The following Saturday afternoon, we were in front of 3,000 kids in a sports hall. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> Nobody had any idea what was going on. And I remember to this day, there was one of the Belgian stage crew walking across the stage carrying something. And I was just standing on the stage looking around. And he was singing Sons of Satan. And as he walked past, I thought, who the fuck does he know that? You know? I had no fucking clue. I don't think Cronus had a fucking clue what was going on. I don't think Abaddon had a clue what was going on. And certainly Neat Records had no clue what was going on. <laughs> yeah. you know? So all of it. You know, but back then, the speed of the success for Venom, it was fucking overnight. It was zero to hero. Yeah. You know? And... and you know, Welcome uh, to Hell wasn't even out in the U.S. It was an import only. Yeah, yeah. Only one. So it was like... Only the real diehards knew about you here. But mm-hmm. by the time black metal came out, all of a sudden it just seemed like everyone was finding out about you. Yeah. And uh, He's like, and, I don't fucking know. And, 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 but, <laughs> half of the, but, but with that came the underground, like, 
punk people and hardcore people, just yeah. people into underground music. Yeah. It mm -hmm. wasn't Judas Priest, Iron Maiden fans. They mm -hmm. didn't know you guys existed. Yeah. It was well, all they did. I mean, I'm reading the Metal Blade book right now, and Slagle talks up quite a bit about... Yeah, well, he was underground, mm -hmm. though. Yeah. I mean, I, the average guy didn't. By the time... Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, yeah, I he's definitely not the average like guy. <laughs> 83. And in 83, the only people I knew who liked you were like a handful of guys into the most underground metal. And then about a year later, a bunch of punk people. It mm -hmm. was, but everyone who liked you fucking loved you. It was, people were just. Well, it's, it's like, it's like the Slayer thing too. Yeah, it's like, it was, it's mm -hmm. like, it was it's yours. New wave, you know? yeah, yeah, it's yeah. mine. This is mine. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. It was, cause it was, it was so pure and it wasn't watered down and it was no bullshit. And yeah. Was, I think, we, you know, really we, we've always said that we're, we're a sort of love them or hate them band. Yeah, oh, you know, yeah, I don't think there's any middle ground with us. I don't think you know. I, I've never once. Let's put it this way: I've never once heard the comment, "Venom, eh, they're okay." <laughs> Venom, yeah, they're fucking shit. Venom, I fucking love them. You yeah, know, they're, they're that's just, true. That's it. But you know? being polarizing is great. <laughs> <laughs> Back to that story about Metallica opening the first show around here that was infamous was you played Staten Island. Paramount. A few of my friends went, yeah, and yeah. you guys supposedly blew a giant hole in the stage. Oh that night. fucking hell! How'd you do that? Well. <laughs> you wouldn't believe the amount of pyros we brought on a plane um, to, to America. No, right, no. Great. Flight cases of pyrotechnics. They let you on the fucking plane. How the fuck they let us? I mean, it was 1983, so they probably, you know, the security wasn't as strict. But, yeah, it was flight cases full of fucking pyro on a plane. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> I have two friends over there. And then you came and, and played a small club with all that fucking pyro. And I had two friends over there, and they said it was the loudest fucking thing they ever experienced in their life. Well, what, what actually happened was, just before we went on, we had two pyrotechnicians with us. One of the guys filled up. I mean, they were big steel pots about this high, which were fabricated in a factory that Abaddon used to work in. And they were in a box full of sand to withstand the impact. And I think there was three pots in each one with a two connections and a fuse across. <laughs> and they would pour the pyrotechnic powder in on top of that. So there was a measured dose went in to each pot. Now, I think there was about six of these cases along. So there was 18 of these pots along the front of the stage, right? Right. So anyway, one of the pyro guys went round and filled them in. And then the other pyro guy, just as the intro tape was running, apparently went, shit, the fucking pots. He went round, filled them up again. He didn't know the first guy had filled them, right? The resultant, <laughs> I am not kidding you, the resultant explosion took out Kronos's back line completely. Took the speakers were literally hanging out of the So the show was just over at that point? Well, we continued, but yeah, essentially it was <laughs> over. But yeah, at the end of the show, there, there was a hole in the stage, and one of the boxes, the sides was just there was fucking sand everywhere, and there was two pots. The third pot was missing. They found the third pot embedded in the wall of the balcony. <laughs> it was actually lodged in the wall. Like I a mean, not missile. that it was as a litigious society at the time, but you guys skirted a fucking lawsuit right there. Oh, <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ. You could have killed a bunch of oh, people. Oh, hell. Jesus Christ. I mean, even, even the, the second... I mean, those two shows, fucking hell. I know, you know, they say Spinal Tap's based on this band, that band, or the other yeah. band, but... Fuck me. The second show, they had this big curtain down at the front, right? I mean, it was an old theatre. So this curtain was full of fucking holes, right? Now, two mic stands at the front on boom arms like that, right? Ladies and gentlemen, from the very depths of hell, Venom, the fucking uh, curtain went up like that, and I'm standing behind the stack, and I went, I don't fucking believe this. i just seen both mic stands go up, attached to the curtain, <laughs> right? Yeah. 
<laughs> fucking ran on for for which an hour and Con, like Conrad's running around looking for the mic. <laughs> no way to sing. Had to bring the curtain back down. Pull the fucking mics out with the holes in the curtain. Yeah, that's like, that's oh, a spinal tap. Oh, that's two spinal we, tap. We had so many spinal tap moments. It's unreal. Absolutely unreal. You know, every time I watch that movie, I cringe. I just go, oh, fucking hell. Because you live yeah, yeah. some of it. Oh, yeah. I mean, Quite that, a bit. That's incredible. Yeah. Um, I'm, uh, I'm impressed. <laughs> but, I mean, there's, there, there is, um, there's a bootleg of the first night at the Paramount Theatre. And the, the first explosion just wipes the tape out. It's just like, I mean, you, you can hear the opener of... And that's like a vacuum. go... And then the sound comes back in again. The fucking explosion's ridiculous. One of the security men at the front, <clears throat> this is a true story, according to the people who were around him at the time, right? This security guard, and this quote was put into a magaz magazine. He says, I was in Vietnam, but there's no way I'm going anywhere near that fucking stage <laughs> after the first explosion. <laughs> That's the best endorsement ever. Well, <laughs> oh, the guy. most metal endorsement. Ever. <laughs> <laughs> but that's horrible. Jesus. Wow. I mean, yeah. It, it, I, yeah, that's. Wow. So when's your book coming out? Come the on. book. Oh God. Come on, you gotta have you one. Know, I, I know. Um, the book I'm writing at the moment. I'm probably about halfway through. It's I been, knew it. I could tell. You've been revisiting stories. Oh, uh, it. it's. I got asked years and years ago to, to write a book about Venom, and I was always like, oh, no, I'm not that, fuck that, fuck that, fuck that, you know? But it was during a um, tour of Japan, and we went out for dinner with some people, and there was an English guy looking after us who we know really well, and um, he was all night, what about the book? What about the book? I was like, oh, Glenn, you know? It's just like, I, I, you've got to write this fucking book. I went, right, okay, then I promise, I'll write the book. For you, I'll write the book. So I've started. So it's basically me from beginning to where I am now, you know, from the day I popped out into the world up till now. All the musical influences, everything, you know, a lot of the stuff that happened. And I hope it's going to be out at the end of next year. Awesome. I hope so. They're going to take, you know what's going to happen? Is it like, because the way they have to promote things, is albums, books, everything, they're just going to pull every single negative quote about Kronos out and make that the fucking headline so that people it's clickbait <laughs> Kronos was a real dick that night <laughs> boom Mantis says Kronos was a dick that night <laughs> click book sold oh god well the title of the book is To Hell and Back well That's perfect. when uh, mm. when you do put the book out if you do do a tour yeah we're gonna have Bruce Dickinson here on Halloween ah um, excellent and we've had Tony Iommi and we've had John Lydon and we've had Peter oh, Hook and we've had fucking yeah 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 and we've had Sebastian Bach that was uh huh funny. And we've had HR from Bad Brains. Um, but Excellent. Come back and, and uh, do a, yeah, do do, a, do a Q&A. Let yeah, Ron and I, I mean, interview I'll for you. Yeah, audience. we'll interview you and yeah. you can uh, do a signing. On stage, do a signing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, they're usually really fun. Uh, you know, yeah. and, I would love to do something like that. It would, it would be really cool. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. It, you know what I would love to do? What? I would love to do an open forum Q&A, fans, press, anybody in that audience. And every single person who's ever been in Venom on the stage. That would be that fucking would be hysterical. Epic. And that's a big we I don't think our stage is big enough. Watch yeah. watch how many of them walk off. <laughs> <laughs> I guarantee you I'll They're be not the last I'll, I'll be the last one sitting there. <laughs> yeah. Well Tony'll stay, right? Oh Tony, yeah, yeah. There's <laughs> nothing there's nothing to hide from that guy. There's nothing to hide from me. 
I, bro, I can think of some. I can think of some really awkward preemptive questions that I could have fucking fans <laughs> ask. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I have a feeling those people just won't show up. But you know, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure there's lots of people who claim lots of things over the years for yeah. for Venom. But you know, you know the truth, and that's yeah, cool. Yeah. And, and you're gonna put it out there, so yeah. And if they have, if they want to refute it, then they can. I think that's the best part yeah, about yeah. writing a book, right? You can just kind of. Get all this shit off your chest and be like, listen, man, like I've been here for how long? You know, like this is the truth. Oh, yeah, this yeah. is it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's your story from your eyes, and they have the right to, you know, dispute yeah. it if they don't agree and they were part of it. Well, yeah. the thing is, you know, do you know what? I mean, I know we don't want to get onto this whole bashing thing, right? But, you know, the other camp, the website that they've got, the biography on that website has changed. So many fucking times. You know, it just changes every now and again. You'll, you'll say, like, well, that wasn't there the last time. That wasn't there. And some of it I've read, especially some of the earlier biographies that they had up. I was thinking, what fucking planet did that happen on? <laughs> you know, have I slipped into another dimension here or something? You know, it's like... Well, Venom always lived incredible. in a little bit of fantasy, right? So. Well, a little, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and it was also a hell. band that... um. It had an air of mystery in the United States. Yeah, yeah, I know. There was like an aura and a vibe. We, no one here, even the diehard fans, didn't really know. So that's why a book, oh, they didn't especially re- in the U.S., would be... It's stuff people want to know. Yeah, yeah. And, you know... I mean, there was a girl who came... After we played the first two shows at the Paramount Theatre, there was a girl who came to England, an American girl who came to England, just turned up at Neat Records, and uh, just a fan... And I walked into Neat Records and I was like, fucking hell, what are you doing here? And um, we just had a bit of a chat. And because of those two shows and the week that we were in the States... Where else did you play aside from nowhere, those two shows? Nowhere, that was just, it, right? We played the two nights at the Paramount. Yeah. But this girl, she said to me, she says, oh, everybody, everybody thinks you're the Antichrist. Like me. Oh, you individually, uh, not yeah. the band. And I was like, What? She says, yeah, because, oh, nobody's seen you. Nobody knew where you were. they just seen you on stage. You were so mysterious and all. I was at a fucking motel about just five chi- miles up the road, chilling out, playing balls with the road crew, <laughs> while fucking Party Central was John Zazula's house with, with Metallica and Kronos. And I just had enough of that. And I went, oh, fuck this. I'm going to a fucking motel, That's how, you know? But, you know, like, unintentionally, <laughs> you created an aura by doing that. I was like... Because you played fierce and, <laughs> and then you left. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It creates almost okay. like a mystery. Yeah. yeah what I was, mean. um, what would be your favorite and least favorite Venom records? Favorite Venom records? Like, which, which ones? You can break them down, like, I mean, either from songs to the production or just feeling no, like they I were mean, rushed. I mean, ov- obviously, like, I'm very proud of Arve. Very, very proud of that album. Um, but if we take Arve out of the equation, I always go back to Welcome to Hell because it was the first one. Yeah. It, that, that, that's got to be my baby, you know. It's got to be the first. And it's no secret that I'm not a massive fan of At War with Satan or Possessed. Yeah. You know, I actually they're, they're I love Possessed personally. Yeah, the I mean, is a little off, but yeah. the songs are there. I think the songs are great. I've I've spoken I've spoken to loads of fans who you know it's, some people say like At War with Satan is their favorite album. Some I mean, I think that's a great record too. Yeah. I don't think it flows as good as. You know, I mean, it's not a traditional Venom record. It's got one no, no. really long no, song. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. But, I mean, it, it, it varies from person to person. I mean, I, I think it was the last American tour that we did. We met a guy standing outside, just beside the bus. 
And he's like, oh, I'm a huge fan, blah, 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 blah. And uh, he says, but I've only brought one album for you to sign. It's my favorite Venom album ever. And we're like, all oh, right, okay. So I was expecting Black Metal or Welcome to Hell coming right. out of the bag. It was The Wastelands. Really? Yep. He says, this is my favorite Venom album ever. And I was like, whoa. And for me... That's a curveball. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. Um, but if I was to put them in cr- chronological order, yeah. I would say Welcome to Hell, Black Metal... Primeval, Resurrection, and Arbeer. And I think in that order, it represents a good progression of a band, both in terms of songwriting, development, production, all that kind of thing. I think that gives a, a good spectrum of a band. Now, when you look back on Possessed, is it the songs that you're not proud of, or just the production, or was it like a rushed thing? It, do you know what it is? I think we rehearsed the life out of that album. Um... And it was a po- it was at a point where I was ready to leave anyway. You just burnt out. Yeah, that was I, I'd had enough. There was yeah. things going on in the band that was, was just like you know, it was like a fucking traveling circus. But I mean, it and has two lots of crowd possessed, mm-hmm. uh, satanicist. I mean, it has great. What I think are great songs. On yeah, it. yeah. I mean, it was it was it was recorded at this huge stately home with a man of mobile outside. And, you know, I've, I've read things by Kronos where he goes, yeah, fucking Jeff hired this big stately home. I did not hire a big fucking stately home. I didn't even know where I was going. It was the management who hired it. <laughs> you know, I hadn't a fucking clue we were going to record in a stately home. And I'll tell you why, because we wanted that big ambient drum sound. Yeah, you the know? cavernous, yeah, huge yeah. That's, sound. That's what we wanted. Yeah. So it was Abaddon and Eric Cook who went around and looked for somewhere, and they found this big place with a big ballroom mm-hmm. where we set up to record. And there's Kronos saying, yeah, fucking Jeff thought he was Lord of the Manor with a fucking state. I was like, fuck off. That wasn't oh, me. Man. I had <laughs> nothing to do with it. Not a fucking thing, you know? It was like, I just turned up, played the fucking songs. But that, well, that was at that point where I'd had enough. I'd had enough of it. What? You know? d- I didn't even know about this video until much later, but do you have any memories of doing the Nightmare video? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean... You know, they didn't even play that on, like, Headbangers Ball here. I didn't even, no. I didn't even know it existed. Yeah. Until, like, a later in the 80s, and I saw it, and I was like, oh, man. I mm-hmm. didn't know Venom ever made, like, an official video like that. I mean, there's Witching Hour, which is, like, the lot. Yeah, this, yeah. But uh, very first, this is, like, yeah. a, a produced video, mm-hmm. not just footage. Yeah, yeah. What was that mm-hmm. like? <sighs> it was fun. It's... It, it, I'm not particularly... I had nothing to do with that video, to be br- brutally honest. Um, I'm not particularly proud of it. I think it could have been done better, but, you know, it is what it is, and, you know, people like it, people don't like it. It's And did it get played in the UK? Oh, yeah, it got played, yeah. So it got there, it was it there. Got, it got airtime, yeah. Because yeah, I, I bought the 12-inch uh-huh. here when it came out, but I had yeah. no idea that there was actually a video, mm-hmm. and the only place that would have played it here was Headbangers Ball, yeah. and they didn't. Well, it was all part of a, an, another thing that Neat Records were doing at the time called Metal City. And uh, it was like loads of different bands. So there it was like you d- and Warfare yeah, and that whole... like Avenger and yes, people like exactly. that. Yes, exactly. So there was, there was more footage attached to the, the Nightmare video, you know, and there's this footage of me arriving at this stately home in a uh, Porsche 911 SC, like sports coupe, you know. <laughs> and I remember that vividly because at the time I didn't drive. Oh, you didn't? <laughs> 
And the management sent me for two driving lessons in a before fucking... Before the video? Before the video, <laughs> and then there was a fucking Porsche delivered. And how'd you do? That's pretty intense. I'd be I scared didn't, shitless. I didn't get the fucker out of second gear. <laughs> I was shitting myself. You're talking to the right guy, because I actually don't drive either. Oh, you don't drive? So okay, two, no. two uh, lessons in, I would not step in a fucking Porsche. Oh, God. I remember the guy pulling up in this beautiful gold 911, and he stepped outside, and he had the keys in his hand, and he went, Who's driving the Porsche? <laughs> And I looked and I went, oh, that'll be me. And he went, oh, there you go. Handed me the keys. And he went, she's a bit of a beast, but just show her who's boss. And I went, yeah, yeah, no problem. I got in the driving seat. I was fucking crapping myself. Oh, God. <laughs> I can uh, really relate to that. hell. Yeah, yeah it, was good. it was good fun, though, you know. But um, nah, there, was, there was a lot of other footage done for that, like the Metal City video, you know. Yeah. It was all part of the nightmare thing. So, Do you recall... Um one of the other legendary gigs around here was you played City Gardens in New Jersey with Black Flag, which ended up being an infamous show oh. in the area because it was, uh, you know, one of the bigger metal bands playing with the, one of the bigger punk bands at the time. Yeah, I mean, God. It's more of a local folklore for us than, I mean, you guys if, played hundreds of gigs. If I've got to be honest, you know. I'm they made a single out of it. Thurston yeah. Moore from Sonic Youth took all of Cronus's stage banter between each song oh, with no right. music yes. and it's just Cronus talking for 10 minutes introducing yeah, every song yeah 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 it's like a really collectible 45 now yeah mm-hmm. yeah I remember that but you know I used to just turn up for the for our show and that was it yeah it was very very seldom that I seen any of the support so unless bands. you were friends with other bands or something you weren't really checking no no I mean obviously I checked out Metallica a couple of times and yeah. like the Slayer Boys um, yeah but other than that I was always just concentrated and focused on our show and that was it when you saw those bands coming up you guys as well as behind you Metallica and Slayer did you envision things getting bigger and bigger or did you feel like this is underground music and it's going to stay here you know, being asked that so many times, and it's like there was no master plan with us. We 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 just fucking rolled with it, you know. And I mean, we didn't have sort of heavy hitting management or a heavy hitting record label. And I think you end up you know, signing eventually. Combat here in the states took on the stuff. Yeah, they took on did, the stuff. Did they do a good job with you, as far as? Uh, as far as I'm aware, yeah. You know, I mean, I never involved myself in in the management side of it right. at that particular point. Yeah. So when things were going out, it was—it just seemed like the norm to me. Yeah. It was like you know, there's a license going out here, there's a license going out here. We've, yeah. you know, distributed. I mean, Combat was there. the premier label pretty much at that time. So yeah, yeah. It was the perfect label for you mm-hmm. guys for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, mean I, re- I remember being on the very first. I think it was one of the first versions of Roadrunner, which was Road Racer. Yes, Road Racer. Yeah. And that's what it was overseas. Yeah, yeah. Yes, and it we became Roadrunner Road Runner in the states. That's right. Yeah, yes. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And did you um? There was a bit of a rift between you guys and Merciful Fate back in the day. Who <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, good old King. Um, yeah. Any I've, comments I've, on that? Any I've, memories I've, of it, really? Or? Yes, th- th- there's a memory. There's. Um, I remember all the all the shenanigans going on in the press. Yeah. And then and everyone would write yeah, about it. Yeah, and, yeah. You know. I, and I remember we were in Holland and they were in Holland and it was in Eindhoven. And lo and so behold, you together. No, I don't think we were. I can't remember that we were playing together, no. But I remember that they were at the same hotel. Oh, okay. Unknown to us. And they were already at the hotel, sitting in the bar on the sofas and everything. And then we arrived. And then when we walked in, 
like it was like the gunfighter walking into the saloon. Just everything <laughs> went fucking quiet. So we went, ah, fuck it. So we just jumped on them. <laughs> we were just rolling all over the sofas and everything. But it was just good natured banter, you know. Um, but the funniest thing was watching King Diamond and Kronos sitting across a table with a candle in the middle of them speaking to each other to see who could be the most evil. It was like fucking hilarious. <laughs> Oh, it was crazy. And who won crazy. that battle of Oh, evil. I fucking don't know. I left. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, fuck this, I'm going to bed. <laughs> Bollocks. Yeah, but um, I'll tell you what. It became a big story, though, in the underground. Oh, yeah. Because you're yeah, two, of the, was, two of the most outspoken bands with that kind of imagery and yeah, yeah. vibe mm-hmm. and genre music, even though you guys didn't sound alike. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yeah, it yeah. became a, became I'll tell a you what contest. I, you know? I'll tell you what I am, sort of. I'm, I'm very pleased... For King Diamond's success, no. What he what he's doing now, to, you know, he's the longevity that he's got, and what what he's doing now. And overcame some real health scares. Oh, fucking, you know, all power to the guy, you know. And if you if you do listen to this, King, hey, fucking massive respect, you know. Yeah. It's fucking great, good on you. Talking about uh, the merciful fate, venom. Uh, how am I missing this? Yeah. <laughs> it's a huge, huge King Diamond Mercer Fate fan. Move his drum kit back so the show can actually happen. Oh, that's not gonna go down well. <laughs> so yeah, he, I mean, King's doing better than ever. Great, yeah. And uh, he sounds incredible. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, he used to smoke a couple of packs a day. I couldn't mm-hmm. believe he could sing falsetto like that. Yeah, yeah. And and live that kind of life. He apparently used to chain mm-hmm. smoke for forty years. Yeah, which I mean hell. worked for Lemmy, but I can't see how it would work for someone with King Diamond's vocal approach. Yeah, yeah, I know. But uh, I know. but yeah, he's doing great. Yeah, no, good on him. Good on him. Well done. So mm-hmm. you guys. This is the last date of the U.S. tour tonight. Yes. And then uh, what's next for the next six months or a year? Because the album just came out, what, two um, months ago maybe? Well, the next year came out on August the 11th. So when I get home, I've got a week's vacation, then I think another week at home, and then we've got two European festivals, headline slots, and then about another week off, and then we do a UK tour, and that leads straight into a European tour. And are that, these headlining gigs? Are you going yeah, out with somebody? The headlining gigs. Great. Um, so after the European tour, I think I get home mid-December, Christmas off, um, and Tony Dolan is probably going to come to my studio in January. We're going to finish off the new Empire album, and then. And what's going on with that? It, there's an album sitting there waiting to be finished. So what, what does it need? Do, it needs bass and vocals, okay. and then obviously mix and master yeah, and yeah. stuff. So we're going to finish that off in January, hopefully. Um, then February. We're and is there a label for that? Not yet. So you're shopping. Not yet. We're shopping, and the other two albums that we did, the licenses have come back. So we're, we're going to probably sell Sorry, the whole package. We issue them yeah. as a package. Yeah. Do all three. Do the whole thing. Um, February is Japan, Singapore, Thailand, possibly Australia, New Zealand. And then March, we're back to the good old U.S. of A. Oh, so you'll be back in about, what, five, six months then? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are you so coming we'll out on your there. own? Or you don't package tour? You don't know yet? Uh, we don't know yet. It's just all in the planning stages at the moment. So we okay. don't know what, what the, what's going to happen. So, so you're um, basically gigging for the next six months, it looks like. More yeah, or less. yeah. Yeah, well, at least up to the beginning of April, I think we're going we're gonna to be busy. So whatever's beyond that. I mean, we've still got to look at getting back into South America as well. So... And are you, um, um, are you hitting any fests after this? Or is the fest run kind the, of the, done the, um, for the time being? Well, we've got, we've got two festivals at the end of October. Coming up. Yeah, coming up. Um, next year, who knows? We're just wait, waiting yeah. to see. So um, 
we'll see what happens. Do you feel um, now that the Venom Inc. record is out, you know, Cronus is doing his thing, you're doing your own thing, do you feel like it kind of just, it's at a point where both people, both units can just kind of go on and hopefully well, let hope the music so. speak for itself and, yeah, you I know, hope so. I hope so. I mean, leave the you know, behind a just bit. my advice is just shut the fuck up and get out and play your music. Just do, you know, do what you're doing. Stop yeah, I mean, he has his own records and yeah, you both yeah. have the, you can both go to the back catalog as live bands. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it's always yeah. a shame when you see bands you love. It, it happens all the time and it's more and more oh, common, course it unfortunately. Does. Yeah, yeah. It but is. But when it happens, it, it's a real shame because, uh, yeah. It can tend to get away from the music, and then people pick sides on stuff. And, oh, uh, I know. It's, you know, it's, it's instead crazy. of just looking back at a great band and looking at their catalog, mm-hmm. you think of the drama, and you think of the bullshit. And you yeah, think yeah, of, yeah. And, you know, it's mm-hmm. a shame. And yeah, I get it. I there's, there's property rights involved. There's merch money. There's, it, there's a lot to it. It's complicated. Oh, yeah, the business is complicated. Is. It's yeah, more yeah. than just, mm-hmm. you know, it's more than just ego. Oh, yeah. There's a, there's a whole lot of business behind it. Mm-hmm. And you know what I've always said? is that a band can be the biggest destroyer of a friendship. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. You know, um, and Paul Stanley put it perfectly years ago in an interview. He says, you know, when, when a marriage between, between a man and a woman is struggling to survive, how the hell is fucking, you know, four guys living on a bus for fucking weeks on end... You know, how the hell is that supposed to survive? And it, it yeah. does get fucking hard. Yeah, know? it's it a perfect storm. Yeah, I mean, you've, got to, you've, you've got to know each other so well that, you know, you've got to know when to give each other space. I mean, that's a good thing about myself and Tony Dolan especially. You know, we, we, we are fucking brothers from another mother. It's right. as simple as that. And you go back literally to the late 70s. So you have oh, so much God, history yeah, with yeah, each yeah. other. Yeah, he used to live out the back of my girlfriend. You know, oh, really? His house was literally across the road, so we'd see each other even back in those early days, seven, 78, So you've been talking to us like teenagers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we weren't friends at that point, but we'd see each other. Right. And my girlfriend's brother used to go to his house and play guitar and stuff, you know? Um, so, yeah, we've got a long association, and we both know when each other needs space and, you know, we yeah. know when to step in or, or whatever, you know? You guys seem um, to have a... This lineup seems to have a really good chemistry on and off stage. Yeah, yeah. This is the it's third getting... or fourth time I've met you and all you guys. And, mm-hmm. you know, I know when a band is pretending to get along, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. I've been in enough bands myself. You can just kind of feel the vibe in a room. But yeah. you guys seem to generally love playing and get along well. Yeah, yeah. Despite all the hardships of oh, yeah, touring, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. which, yeah. you know, yeah. as you know, Sucks. No, it's, it's never easy. It's never easy. No, it's no, it's no. it's a it's a brutal lifestyle, and yeah, only certain yeah. people are really built for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't think I was, to be perfectly honest. But here <laughs> are I am. you. Are you touring more now than ever? Ever more than ever. Wow. More than ever. We never did this much in the early days of Venom. That's never. wild. You think you, most people just associate the hard touring with being young and yeah, we've done it the opposite and way around. Yeah. You know, we've done it the other way around. So we we are back in the. We've gone from being the generals to being in the trenches now. Y- yeah. So we know we're working where we are back up through the ranks, I suppose. How does it feel live? As far as um, does it feel like a tighter, stronger unit when you play every night? Much. Yeah, yeah. I can imagine. Yeah. Uh huh. And you know. Yeah. That carries. I mean, yeah. I've seen bands just on a at the end of a tour and. Sometimes they just look tired, mm-hmm. you know. And other times you just see a band, you walk in and you just know they haven't, they haven't rehearsed in weeks or months, so yeah. they're off. Yeah, yeah. You know, the times yeah. I've seen you guys, you guys are a unit and you guys are on. We've never rehearsed. 
Really? No. Really? We had, in fact, I tell, so what a, do you I, I tell a lie. We've okay. had, before this particular Amer American tour, we had two days rehearsal where we probably did about three hours each day. And that was enough just to that's, get it back. That's it. But since the beginning of it coming together for the Keep It True Festival in, what was that, 2015, whatever it was, right? we've never had a rehearsal. That's we've amazing. never had a proper, what, what you would call a proper but band. But you guys, rehearsal. I guess, just have so much time together and just a natural chemistry that you well, just fall, so. you fall I mean, into it. Fucking hell, if you can't play the songs after 30 years, you need to... Yeah, then you have no right yeah, to. Yeah, you, you got problems, you know. Yeah, uh -huh. It's funny because, um, you know, I've seen... Cronus's Venom, and uh, he holds his own fine, but uh, there's a there's a rawness and an unhinged sound in Venom recordings, especially the earlier ones, mm -hmm. that his lineup doesn't have. There's something, it's just less organic. Yeah, do you know what? I've heard that so vocally. Many times. I'll admit, so many vocally times. sounds great, but the band it. It sounds like people playing Venom songs. It doesn't yeah, yeah. sound like Venom. Yeah. Where well, I mean, the, the guitarist, he's a guitarist in a Slayer tribute band. The drummer is a drummer in a, a Bon Jovi tribute band. See. So, you they know. They bring that kind of flash and polish to a band that it doesn't belong in. No, it doesn't need it. They're living on a prayer. No. <laughs> <laughs> check, check you. I'm back. Watch out. Uh, we missed you. I had some drama to yeah. deal with. It's cool. Everything's drama. good? Yeah, yeah. They're still playing tonight? The show goes on. <laughs> the show goes on. Oh, good. Who knew? Yeah, so mm. I'd, going back to that, though, uh, it's fun. He sounds good, but it doesn't, doesn't feel like Venom. Yeah, It yeah, really yeah. doesn't. Yeah, it sounds yeah. like me and mm. my friends playing Venom songs with Cronus singing. Yeah, it's Venom by numbers for me. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's really a different feel. Mm -hmm. It really is. It's yeah, but, uh, it, you know, it, it's, it's uh, like we've said, just go do your thing. We're doing our thing. I mean, thing, he's putting so. new records out, so. Yeah, get on with you it. Know. Get on with it. Just fucking get on with it. Yeah. You, you, do you make the publishing from the... Uh, oh. When they play your songs? Do yeah. you make the publishing? There you mm -hmm. go. You said well, you wrote the majority of the music. I, I'm, I'm so. beginning to think that this is a thing now. That like it's a way for, for bands to make double money. Yeah, split so up. <laughs> split up. <laughs> split up. Have two versions of yourself. And you make double the PR And everyone cashes so out. So now we need a Venom LLC. So anybody out there who wants to form Venom LLC? <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously. Good market. You know, it's... Uh, I, I forget, there was somebody else I saw who's... Oh, uh, Liam Gallagher playing uh, Oasis songs. All right, yeah, So yeah. fucking Noel makes all that money. Yeah? Oh, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, he gets 100% of the publishing. <laughs> wow. <laughs> He's yeah. like, yeah, Noel's like, yeah, yeah, first. Put out a record, Liam, great. Make sure you play all those Oasis songs. I'll tell songs. you what, there's, there's some very rich songwriters out there who you've never heard of. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I just read a book about uh, about all the pop songwriters that exist, all the Scandinavian guys. Yeah, yeah. Max Martin. Max Martin's probably the richest of all mm -hmm. of them. He's worth like $250 million or something insane. Fucking like crazy. Guys like Dr. Luke. Wow. Crazy. All these fucking guys. There's, there's like four of them, and they basically write everything. Mm-hmm. You know? Incredible. Open the doors. Just, I can't win. I can't win today. It's one of those nights. It's fucking... And it didn't even start yet. And it's so funny, because every band, every band on the bill has played here. Gotor's probably played here... Ten times at yeah, this point. Yeah, it's fucking crazy. They're, they're on the wall. And... Oh, yeah. And you guys have played here, like, you know, between Empire Evil and Venom Inc. I think it's five. Five, yeah, yeah, yeah. five times, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like, like, like coming home. <laughs> you know where you are, <laughs> goddammit. You know where you are. <laughs> Fuck. God, I can remember after the the first time we played here, and I think we'd done 22 shows without any day off. It was at Empire of Evil. Yes. And as we finished our set, we went downstairs, and both myself and Tony just went... 
<laughs> just the end of to a crash. That was it. There was no adrenaline left. There was football. That was it. And that'll probably be tonight. Too. Oh, definitely it'll be. Because it's a five-week tour, right? Yeah. And I mean, I've I've got to then sit around in JFK till nine o'clock tomorrow night before I get my flight home. Oh Jesus! Oh, like, oh fucking hellfire! But hey, they're just dropping you straight off at the at the airport. At the airport, probably because um, the other two have got early flights. Oh uh, okay. They're flying straight to uh, Heathrow, but I've got a flight to Madrid, and then. Yeah, I uh, I love being stuck in in airplanes, airports. Oh, I, f- I fucking love it. I fucking hate it. Oh, it's my Are favorite. Are you nuts? What? Is I it dr- sarcasm? I drink like an asshole. <laughs> oh, I don't drink, so. Well, I don't drink. You drink either, like an you know? asshole and you meet all sorts of weird fucking people. I, I, I love <laughs> meeting weird people. I know I you're mean, shy, so you don't, you know. I, I, I mean, I used to hang out at Penn Station till 5 in the morning on purpose because everyone was a freak back in the day. But I had the freedom to leave. In an airport, I always feel trapped. Oh, it's the fucking oh, best. Well, I also know. like airports yeah. just because I know it's usually airports mean I'm either going on tour or I'm going home. I'm going someplace mm-hmm. super cool. Or I'm going home, which is going to be comfortable. So either way, it's kind of a win. But when you want to go home, isn't the last place you want to be is waiting? That sounds terrible. It is, but you know, like you kind of you can sit back, you can talk, think about the, your your tour. You just reflect. It was. I never go away other than tour. So like you know, I don't, I don't okay. know what a vacation. So you is, savor every moment, get, even the airport. Yeah, I was right. like, yeah, that's a fucking, great approach. This I is don't great. Have and look at all this cool stuff I did, and I can post about it, and be you know, and I can talk about it on my podcast. <laughs> I got all these wonderful memories. Anyway, <laughs> I'm going to wrap this up because you're going to have to go to sound check or do yep. something, apparently. Play, mm-hmm. play a little bit. Um, thank you so much. You're for welcome. Doing this. It's super appreciated. Good. Yes, Mathis. Thank you Excellent. very much. Absolutely. No problem a pleasure. And uh, have a, a really safe and awesome show tonight. And yep. uh, a safe trip home is what I wanted to say. And we'll see you again next year, back you said. In oh, definitely. March or so. Yeah, we'll be back in March. Great. Awesome. Yeah. Excellent. Cheers. Thanks, guys. Thanks, man.